knew Daniel Bryan retreats to the safety of Rowan on the outside. I'm not sure how safe it is, Corey. Oh! Victory for Kofi and his teammates. They want to outlast their opponents. But once again, Kofi able to ride the wave of momentum. This new rebirth in his career. All right, all right. That was an amazing match. The Miz and I won't be the only ones competing at Fastlane. Daniel Bryan. You will be defending your WWE Championship against Kofi Kingston! Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette and with me once again as always is... He's thinking of the problems of the people. (laughs) The learned philosopher... Josh Custodio. Love lost, such a cost. Give me some things that don't get lost, like a coin that won't get tossed, rolling home to you. Old man, take a look at my life. Yes. (laughs) There's some of that philosophy I was just talking about. Yeah, the learned philosopher. That's the new gimmick as of this past weekend. I like it. Yes. I mean, I am a man who, uh, you know, a modern-day philosopher. I think many people would uh, consider the way I think like that. We all gather around at your feet (laughs) as you just share your wisdom with uh, the unwashed masses. And as you know, I never speak. That's the sort of – that's the whole gimmick. Yeah, you you took a real cue from the Bhagwan. (laughs) Yeah. I want to go back uh, into the the banter zone of previous episodes to hear our extended riff on uh, the Bagwan or whatever. What is it? The yeah. Bogwan? Bogwan. Bogwan. Yeah. Yes. I've said it three different ways. Hey, that's it. Already? The nice thing about that is you're probably right on one of them. Mm-hmm. And watch Wild Wild Country if you don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like all great wrestling podcasts, this opens with a riff <laughs> from the after zone of uh, talking about a Netflix show from months ago. But, folks, this is a wrestling podcast. It's the world's brightest wrestling podcast. It's Top Marks. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful, another busy week in the world of wrestling, Justin. Yeah, and we're lucky that we uh, decided not to record this week until Friday yeah. afternoon. No kidding. Uh, that was my call, and I, I uh, maybe I'm the learned philosopher. <laughs> well, let's maybe edit that out. You know, just 
I don't want I don't want people getting any funny ideas. Because, yeah, I mean, we got a, a ton of stories that <laughs> yeah. came down yesterday afternoon, which would have been after we recorded in a typical week, and then even more stories coming down today as well. So a a big week for wrestling. So big, in fact, that like you know, I think on a an ordinary week after a pay per view, we dedicate a lot of time to. Breaking yeah. down uh, Elimination Chamber, which, of course, we will give you a full review. But uh, it, it feels like a distant memory at this point. So much has happened. And you're right, JMO, because I, I, so often I feel like we finish this show, and then like the next morning, without fail, like some sort of news that I would have loved to talk about on the show happens, and then we, we exit the cycle, and then it's sort of old news. For the next this week, I mean, you could go on and on about the things that happened, but I think maybe we should start with uh, maybe the most surprising thing to me. Okay. Roman Reigns is coming to Raw this Monday. Roman Reigns returns to Raw. Roman yes. Reigns returns to Raw. What the fuck? Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, I I was kind of saying to uh, the Patreon group chat last night that it's 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 not something that I would have pinpointed as like the moment, mm-hmm. but in retrospect, I have to say that yes, my interest in watching Raw on a week to week basis has waned significantly since Roman has not been on the show. Are you saying you love Roman Reigns more I, than you ever knew? I think that might be true. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I think I like Roman Reigns. Hang on. Do you like Roman Reigns, or are you utterly exhausted with Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, and Seth Rollins? Here's the thing. like We're, we're seeing all these guys getting put into the spotlight. All these like villains, for example. Yeah. Like you just mentioned the uh, array of Lashley and... And Braun, or, or Braun's not a villain anymore, rather. Yeah. Uh, Lashley, Baron, and McIntyre. Like, I think opposite Roman, they could work. Like, that, mm. like that. we're missing a key ingredient here. And that, like, as much as we're just stuck in the muck with these guys, trying to lean on them to be stars, if they were complementary pieces to a guy like Reigns, I think there's a lot of what they've been doing that could work better. I'll push back. I'll push back a little bit, even though I do. I agree with the sentiment that I think those guys versus Roman is more interesting than those guys versus whatever the fuck they've been doing for three months. Exactly. But I will say, I think you've hit on close to the problem, but not exactly a bullseye. For me, the bullseye is Raw is just missing a babyface. Yeah. Like I, I don't know that it ha- Roman Reigns feels like a giant babyface now because of leukemia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's True. that's the case. Raw needs True. Needs- Would I have been willing to cheer for him as the top babyface if he hadn't gone through this? I that's, wonder. Yeah, maybe not. It'd be in- we definitely feel different about it. Who knows? Tough to say. But, but the show has definitely just been like rudderless since well, he's been gone. This is your talking point, so I don't I don't want to steal it. But Lord, you're, you're bang on correct when you talk about how much. And I think maybe I even underestimated how much this might affect the show, but the the flip-flopping of heel and face alignments all over the place on Monday Night Raw, Mm -hmm. I think that did have a bigger effect, and I think you were right. I think I'm realizing now, it's like, these people, they all feel drifting to me. Like, they all... This week's Monday Night Raw, and I I don't know if you felt the same, it kind of felt like nobody was fucking trying, to be honest. But now, part of that is, it may have been the worst crowd in Raw history. unbelievably bad crowd. Like, Corpus Christi can now be like, hey, only second worst, baby. (laughs) That's... It's great to be here. What what happened? Why was this crowd so bad? I don't know. I I, I don't... I'm not sure. Maybe it's just that they were completely unfamiliar with NXT, so that when you build a show around the debut of a bunch of NXT guys, that's going to fall flat to an audience that doesn't know who they are. I mean, part of the reason why you save call-ups for a situation like the Raw after Mania or like when you know you're in a big, smart market is that they're going to get a reception. And and you need guys to feel like stars when you see them on TV for 
another city that's maybe not familiar with them to treat them that way as well. That's definitely true. I, I will say, though, that crowd, I'm sure they knew who Triple H was. And the show opens with a Triple mm -hmm. H promo where he is getting zilch out of these people. And then both the NXT people on SmackDown the next night get big ovations. It's so true. It's, it, you're right that that plays a role, but this did just feel like... But also, even if you did know who those guys were... Like, there was nothing compelling about the way that they were presented or booked sure. or rolled out. Like, I mean... Black's entrance is worth something. Of course, of course. But, like, as much as I want to be happy... Like, this is exactly what I was calling for during our year-end shows with Ryan Schaap, right? And, and the time that Ryan was on previous. To treat NXT like an actual farm system. Yeah. So that when you hit these patches where all of your stars are injured or, you know, guys are, you know, leaving the company or what have you, like mm -hmm. you've created all these holes that need to be filled, then you just, you know, plunder your own system and raid the farm and bring these guys up and, and slot them into star positions. I should be happy about that because it's exactly what I asked for. And yet? But sometimes you make a wish on the monkey's paw. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes. It doesn't always <laughs> go the way you want because it felt really clear to me that this show – was not planned out, that there was yeah. no real thought put into the way that they were going to do this. I mean, the rumor mill rumor has it. was saying that, uh, you know, the show was being rewritten, like, up until an hour after it was already on the air. How? How does that happen? And, and you, can, you can tell when you watch it, right? Like, you can tell that there's not a ton of thought put into this. And that's a terrible way to debut someone. It really is. Because... All of the word is that the reason why Vince wanted these guys to come up in the first place is because he looked at the last batch of call-ups and he looked at who was on his roster on Raw in general and said, none of these guys are stars and none of these guys are going to be stars. So who would he be referring to there? I guess Andrade... Uh, no, no, no. That, that would be the last batch, okay. like EC3. Okay, Heavy Machinery, yeah. Lacey Evans. Okay, gotcha. But, I mean, beyond that, he's also looking at guys like McIntyre and Finn Balor and, you know, uh, the the entire crop of guys on Raw and thinking there's nobody that I can elevate to such a point where they're going to get a wild reception right now, so I need something new. Yeah. Give me the most surefire star talents you have. And, unfortunately, Velveteen Dream was not among those. I think but, that's fortunate. Yeah, maybe fortunate <laughs> yeah. because he doesn't get lumped in with these debuts that, you know, great to see them on TV, but this is not going to – I mean – just to it's, be clear, it's, sorry, it's, for those of you who may not have seen, the four that did yeah. come up on Monday were Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, and uh, Aleister Black. And now granted, like all of those guys can establish themselves as time goes on, mm -hmm. and we can look back on this debut as nothing, you know? But But – doesn't it feel weird to not give them a big debut? Yes. Like yeah. they all got big wins over established people. But what what is when people get hung up on the wins and losses, it means so little. There's we always, no real moment. Exactly. We we talk so often about how hard it is, especially for heels and especially for heel tag teams, to translate to the main roster. And we can look directly to somebody who has done it at a very high level, maybe the best NXT call up run ever in Kevin Owens, okay? Mm -hmm. Now granted, Kevin Owens can do it all. We both of course obviously it starts with being as good as Kevin Owens. Yes. But think of how he was presented to the main roster. Here's the NXT belt. I'm here. I'm the champ down there. And fuck you, John Cena. Okay, this guy's important. You're so miles away from that. Don't get me wrong. DIY versus Revival. Who's complaining about that? But is that like a killer angle for these guys? I'm not so sure. Yeah. And also, you just crushed the Revival a week after you put the belt yeah. on them, too. So the whole thing just screams of... 
short-sightedness. And, I mean, this is kind of a, an indication not just of, like, what this co- these call-ups are, are suffering from, but what this entire show is suffering from right now yeah. is short-sightedness. And I wonder, Josh, is it any coincidence that we are seeing – Raw and WWE in general, like outside of Ronda and Becky and Charlotte, th- it seems like the entire Mania card is in flux right now. That they yeah. are just changing their mind constantly on what they want to do. I think the the planned opponent for Daniel Bryan, if you listen to the rumor mill, if you listen to Meltzer or whoever, What's he saying? has changed like five times in the last month in terms of what the Bryan match is going to be at Mania. Do we know who some of those names were? I mean, right now it's supposedly Kevin Owens, but in the past it's been a triple threat with Joe and Styles. Okay. It's been, you know, possibly Bray Wyatt. Like they're gotcha. they they haven't picked something, which means we're on the road to nothing. <laughs> yeah. You can't be laying groundwork for long term plans if you don't have a long term plan. And I wonder if this whole lack of planning, if it's just a coincidence that it happens to coincide with Vince McMahon trying to launch a football league, Hmm. and his focus might not entirely be on WWE the way it needs to be right now, because I can't remember, and we were saying that this is an exciting thing, back at the Rumble, that we don't know what Mania is going to look like. (laughs) At the time, it was because we trusted that there was a plan, that there was a roadmap, that as soon as we got out of the Rumble, we would be on the road towards this stuff, and it would be fresh and exciting because we didn't already know it was an inevitability Mm -hmm. Is that true if there's no plan, you know? If they if they don't know what they're building for, doesn't this whole build towards Mania just feel like a mess? So a couple things. So I think back to the, the Seth Cash-in Mania. Is that 31? Yes. Do you remember the build to that Mania? It was really bad. Random, n- like, I mean, no direction for the weeks four. And Mania delivered. And mm-hmm. I remember a lot of people being like, well, as long as Mania delivered. I don't think that's true. Like, I want to be licking my chops for WrestleMania. And and I do stand by what I said exiting the Rumble show where predictability is death, too. And having a bunch of options, like, oh, I kind of see this. But we're not, the funnel is not closing. If anything, if you would ask me three weeks ago what the Mania card looked like, mm-hmm. I think I would have felt more confident saying it than today that's bonkers so I, I don't know how much it has to do with the xfl although i think that is something worth exploring and thinking about because you could be bang on correct about that but there is this precedent that this time of year gets confuddled i think the real problem and this is again a point you've made on the show and it's bang on for me is two pay-per-views between the royal rumble and wrestlemania yeah you just have to build to these weird speed bumps and you, you can't have you know finishes and it just i really think it mucky, muddies the water yeah we're not in the fast lane we're we're driving over a speed <laughs> that's right exactly now. right so slow down to about 20 <laughs> kilometers per hour as you just cross uh, over this little bump in the road and then we are in the yeah, fast lane then the, the fast real fast lane begins after fast of lane. course yeah yes. how could we not yes. I, I will say all of that said and my pessimism out of the way I don't feel that nervous about the SmackDown side of it. I feel like most pieces that they could throw together, SmackDown's pretty hot for me right now. Like, th- There's a lot of combinations of a lot of things I'm into. We're heading towards Miz and Shane. That's going to be super fun. Yep. Uh, the, the, she's, you know, you already know what's going to happen at Fastlane with those yeah. two guys. They're going to lose again. Miz's dad will be in the front row. He's going to freak out that he was embarrassed in front of his father. <laughs> yes. And uh, this is exactly right. It's going to be like that. That I'm looking forward to because that has a clear direction. 
direction, and that direction has been in place for a long Correct. time. Typically, in years previous, you look at where WWE is at heading into WrestleMania, and they know where they're going Like from SummerSlam onwards. Mm-hmm. Granted, they had a couple of uh, you know uh, fastballs or curveballs rather thrown their way this year in the Roman thing and finding out Dean is going to leave, which probably altered sure. their plans for Dean as well. Thank God he's leaving. But like... You know, fuck, man. It, it, it just feels scattershot yeah. and, and all over the place right now. And I don't know that injecting four guys from NXT is going to fix any of that. Yeah, it feels a bit like just throwing shit at a wall. It's like, okay, well, maybe maybe something here will work. But okay, who who do you think, if those four who we, we mentioned there, Gargano, Ciampa, Ricochet, Black, mm-hmm. Which one of them, if you had to, if the Justin Moore said, you got to hang your hat on one of them, you need a Mania program that's going to be hot, which of those four people are you really running with? Are you putting the television behind and getting something going? Probably Aleister Black. Yeah, I, I have the same feeling. I mean, I picked Ricochet as like my choice of just a long shot dude to win the Rumble and be thrown into a program with Brock. Like yep. You could build something with Ricochet really easily, but if he's not going to be in a top slot, who do I think has the best chance of like looking great and building up a quality feud? for the Mania mid-card, it's probably Aleister Black. Yeah. Uh, as little as I like, I'm going to be honest, I my taste for Finn Balor is probably at an all-time low right now, which mm-hmm. is really saying something. But I think he's an interesting opponent for Aleister Black, if, if they could get to that. The IC belt, sort of two supernaturals, the entrance versus entrance, demon versus the Satanist. I, I think there's a feud there for sure, and I think that that could be something that you could make a a sort of crown jewel. <laughs> Poor choice of words, but <laughs> really really something to, to build your mid-card mania around. I think I'd be into that. Yeah. I'm, as long as Black wins and Ballard gets released. It's just like, why, why are we doing... This right now doesn't this feel like the worst time to call people up? You would never do this in any other year. Yeah, man. Well, it, it's both. If it, it does feel like the worst for them, but it does, and again, especially on the Raw side, like that needs an injection. There's not one program on Raw that feels mania worthy to me. Even Seth and Brock, I should be super hyped to see that. Part of that is that Seth has just been injured for the last month and hasn't been able to do anything on TV. Really, and, and in an ideal world, the champion would be there to <laughs> carry the other half of that. True, but instead, because Brock's not there, it's just. There is no real feud. Yeah. Although Heyman was in fine form on Monday in his defense, and I thought the video package was great. It just feels like they, you know, they picked their Rumble winner. Seth mm-hmm. won the Rumble, and then they were like, "Well, we got two pay per views between now and the real build to Mania." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, this is kind of done. We'll yeah. just shelve this for two months and come back to it when it's important. So yeah, I I really don't know. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Yeah. I mean, tell me the thing. This is this is going to tie in a bunch of themes of what we've talked tie about right themes. now, which I think is, uh, you know, it's absurd in some ways because we uh, just discussed that you know all four guys got the call up, but because Vince looked at his roster and said, "I don't see any stars here," mm-hmm. and you just said yourself, "You're you feel like in a real low point with Finn Balor, like you're you're done with the guy. I do. You want him out of the company. That promo on Monday was, but like." That doesn't that speak to the fact that the show was like rewritten super late and had no script essentially, and that mm-hmm. ha- ha- was directionless. Like I wouldn't put the the onus on the performer for that because what were we talking about in the weeks before the Rumble that he was cutting good promos that like he True. can actually do this and he cut he, one good promo to two, be fair two <laughs> was two, but still that I'm promo like, on Monday is not a writing thing. He's like 
I'm a IC champion like Ric Flair goes. To, if you're just listing IC champions, that isn't a creative thing. You just have to actually act like you give a fuck mm-hmm. instead of just standing there and be like, "Oh but yeah." The writing was bad too, is what I'm saying. Sure. And and here's the the main thing that ties all of these ideas together, which is it is absurd to just look at the way that these guys uh, are you know, received right now and say that, well, this must be a problem with the performers because they're not getting over. They were plenty over before you started doing all this fuckery with their alignments yep. after Roman left, you know? Like, like look at where Elias yeah. is right now He's versus where he was before. Yeah, he was just a monster heel. And then they turned him babyface and it was like I don't know if this is going to work. And then he started to get over again as a monster babyface and they flipped him again. Yeah. And now if I see Elias on TV, what am I supposed to think of him? You're- what what am I supposed to feel when I see him? I can only speak for myself, but for me it's I hope Jeff Jarrett isn't coming out again. <laughs> yeah. That's, just, that's what happens when I see Elias. But it's like I've been invested in this guy in two different alignments twice over the last three months, and you told me both times that none of that meant anything. So fuck me for being invested <laughs> yeah. in it at all. Like the problem is not the performers, the problem is Vince McMahon. And wow. that's not gonna go away by calling up four new guys for him to just completely destroy as well. It's also short-sighted to say that because none of these guys are over right now, they can never be over again. There's no stars here anymore because look at SmackDown. Look at what we are so excited about right now. Two weeks ago, no one was even talking about Kofi Kingston at all, positively or negatively. He was not a thought in the minds of anyone. He only got a chance because of injury, and they have successfully leaned into lightning in a bottle. This Mm -hmm. doesn't happen. Becky, too. Yeah, of course. But, like, you know, you can make a star again. Overnight. Yeah, exactly. Kofi is, like, the prime example of that right now. And it just seems silly to be like, well, Finn Balor is done. And Drew McIntyre is done. And all these guys on Raw that I had hopes for who are not being received the way I want for them right now are done. I do feel that way. (laughs) But, but again, that's the presentation, like you're saying. It's just like you can fix that in an instant, and anyone can feel over if you present them in such a way that the audience wants to get on board with them. What would Madman Morissette do with Drew McIntyre? Because he's a guy who should feel... He could be the center of Raw right now, right? Mm -hmm. But he feels like like floating. Like this is a guy that should feel large and deliberate and a, a marauder. It's just sort of like he's just hanging out. Yeah, but it, it's like, how do you how do you build heat on yeah. Raw right now? It's, yeah, because you don't even have really any baby faces to beat down. That's gonna make people think that you're a dastardly villain. No, there aren't any. They're yeah. literally who who is the biggest baby face on Raw? With Rollins' injury being like probably Finn. And it's crazy <laughs> yeah. to think that Braun is not even in the conversation it's for insane. me right now. It's insane. He was he was the guy like they have had all of these moments in the past where they could have and should have pulled the trigger to establish a new star. Braun being like one of the biggest examples of the last several years and they didn't do it. And and now we're getting word that they are not going to do it with Kofi either. I don't want Kofi to win the title at Fastlane because that's not the time for it, but I don't think Fast lane was the time for this match either. Yeah. You should have done, like you were saying, you know, find another bruiser to join Daniel Bryan's little cult of environmentalism. Yeah. Presumably Harper, but whoever. Yeah, and then you do those three guys, Bryan, Rowan, and Blank, against New Day, and then you do Kofi versus Bryan at Mania. This was your fantasy booking, 
and it's what they should do because it makes sense and it's what the audience wants. Yeah, I didn't feel like I was being a special brain genius uh, tweeting that out. I thought that that I was like, oh, this is a good idea, but also extremely obvious. It seems like they mm-hmm. will do this, mm-hmm. and then of course to my dismay. But Jamie, we got to talk about Kofi Kingston. We do. We've got to. We've got we, to. We've we've been. Let's leave the negativity at the door for a sec, because Kofi Kingston feels like the biggest fucking thing going. He does, and it's completely organic. Mm-hmm. And and I am so worried right now because I can't remember if it was last week's show or the week before, but I had the idea in the last couple of weeks that like, oh, hang on a second. Kevin Owens is the perfect mania opponent right. for Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I think that was two weeks ago. Because, you know, they have this history. You can tell the same feud but with an alignment swap and and people will be cheering for Kevin Owens for saying exactly the same things about Daniel Bryan that he was saying a year ago that was getting him booed. It works nicely. It dovetails their history. And it'll be a good match yeah. between my two favorites that I want to see at WrestleMania. Apparently, that is the plan. Apparently, that is the Bryan match right now. Look at that. But... I don't want it anymore. <laughs> and it's not that I don't want it because I don't think it'll be a good match. Yeah. I think it'll be a great match. But I don't want Kevin Owens to be received like Batista. Yeah, where it feels so obvious that it should be Brian and Kofi and Owens gets inserted. And it's hilarious that Brian is on like the flip side of this dynamic yeah. now. But even he has to know. Like There have to be alarm bells going off with a ton of guys backstage that this is going to be 2014 all over again if you do not lean into Kofi. Because, look, I love Kevin Owens. There's yes. a lot of people who love Kevin Owens. There's a lot of people who have been waiting for Kevin Owens to be a babyface mm-hmm. and get a strong babyface run. You are going to cripple it at the knees immediately if you come back and put him in that a spot right. where nobody wants to see him right now. He he does seem like a babyface in these last two weeks uh, vignettes though. Yeah, it's but but I I do share in some of your concern. I am concerned that they're just doing the fast lane match to like extinguish the feelings for Kofi. Like he's just gonna end up tapping to the LaBelle lock and we move on. But I don't know. Kofi Look, chants are going to dominate that feud if they do go ahead with Kevin Owens and and Daniel Bryan. And quite honestly, if we're talking about a Mania match, I would rather it be a one on one between Brian and Kofi than a triple threat with Kofi thrown in with Owens and, and Brian as well. Even though all three are really good, for whatever reason, Owens, Kofi, Brian just kind of feels awkward to me for some reason. I can't, I can't especially explain it, but it doesn't seem like an especially good feud It's because Kevin Owens doesn't belong there because yeah, he hasn't yeah. been on television in months. Well, and he's just not going to get the giant baby face shine that he should standing next to Kofi. Exactly. He's just like drinking it up right now. Jamin, we got to talk about why Kofi Kingston's so beloved right now. we got to do it. All right. Because in the chamber match this week, and we will break down the whole card, but we're going to talk about what I think, it, I mean, kind of undeniably the best match <laughs> of the night and one of the matches of the year, in my opinion, uh, in the men's chamber match from this Sunday that... Listen, I don't mean to be rude, but sort of the lead up to the last 20 or so minutes doesn't really matter to me. They do an Elimination Chamber match. Jeff Hardy's in and out really quickly. Samoa Joe looks good, but then gets eliminated too early for my taste. But the match boils down to Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. And JML, what happens? Uh, well, some some tremendous near falls. My lord almighty. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. That was just really... It, I, I, I know I've said this on the show before uh, related to Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, but, you know, sometimes when you got a point, you got to relate it. Wrestling is truly at its best when there is someone being a good heel and they have a great baby face to play against. Mm-hmm. This arena, it was palpable how badly they wanted Kofi Kingston to beat Daniel Bryan. And you know it's good when, like, against all logic, you fully buy in yes. on a false finish. Yes. When you know... 
it can't happen. Right. We all know that Daniel Bryan was not going to lose his title in that match. We all knew it. I didn't once it was going, though. Man <laughs> alive. Like the, the greatest example that I bring up all the time is... Uh, the Sin City SmackDown U.S. title match love between this AJ fall. Styles and Ty Dillinger. <laughs> You're talking about the near fall? Yeah, of course. <laughs> because we all know, yeah. we all know that Ty Dillinger not is winning. not going to beat AJ Styles on television. He's not going to take the U.S. title <laughs> off of the best wrestler in WWE at that time. Yeah. He's Ty Dillinger. <laughs> but did you not think he could for just in that, that one moment, second? Definitely, yeah. And when you forget that you're watching a product, when you forget that you're, you know, that you already have some idea of the long-term goals of stories and whatnot, that's when wrestling is at its best, when you just get caught up in the moments. And this match with Brian and Kofi, it had a lot of moments like that. Oh, my Lord. The, the kick out from the running knee, from that moment forward, I mean, I had goosebumps. It's, you know, and I'm sure many of our listeners feel the same way here. You and I have just watched such a shit ton of wrestling mm-hmm. that sometimes it's hard to not just see it for, like, the numbers, like, sort of binary. It's like, oh, yeah, here's the kick out. You get the heat, this sort of thing. And, like, you feel what's happening. So when it can just pull you away from that and you're just like, oh, my God. Those are the moments, right? Gargano Almas last year was a great example of this, I feel mm-hmm. like. And and this match had that for me. I I was fully buying that either of these guys could win the belt, which is, of course, insane. Like you said, Daniel Bryan wasn't going to lose that belt there. But, boy, was he good at making me believe that he might. Just giving Kofi everything he needed to look incredible, but still coming with hard offense. Those running knees were fucking brutal. Yeah. It, I, I really – this is my match of the year so far. I, I loved – and it's kind of tough to say because the beginning of the match is kind of forgettable to me, to be honest. Like, I don't remember a whole lot of it. But the it's, back It was like half. Daniel Bryan trying to hide from Samoa Joe yeah. until another chamber opened. That's right. Yeah. But that last – boy, that was if, – if not match of the year, the most into something I've been in the year so far. I and, loved that and match. You, I mean, you saw it happen on Raw. Just yeah. The, the very mention of the show the night before got Kofi, Kofi chants Kofi. going. Like, Kofi is just – it's organic – People want it. He is, you know, I think we've all been waiting for a New Day solo run at the title for a long time. Yeah. And I think you're probably uh, like me in that you wanted it to be Big, Big e, e. yeah, because that just seems like the most natural right. thing. And also, he's pretty dope. And like, Oh, for sure. If you had Kofi and, and uh, Xavier as like his pipe men, yeah. then you're, you're still, like, that's a good act. It's a great act. So to get it as Kofi... Is is a surprise, so like it's not it's it's completely different than what we've wanted for these guys for a, for a while. Yeah, but it fits too, right? It's Sometimes like, I gotta show you what you want, right? Exactly, exactly. And then as soon as you see it, it's like, well, of course, uh, yeah. Why, why didn't I think of ever wanting that? I never even considered it before, and now it's all I want. It's all I can think about. Have you ever seen an outpouring? And I don't mean wrestling Twitter in terms of like the people on the top marks account or anything. I mean the wrestlers. They were all so supportive of Kofi that night. I feel like every wrestler on the WWE roster was like, yeah. Kofi is a legend. Kofi deserves this. Or just Go like Kofi. saying, like, this match made me feel like a kid again, basically. Yeah. Which is sort of what we're talking about in, like, getting lost in the moment. I, uh, yeah. Anyway, very, very good match. Excited for Kofi. Jamo, you brought up a man uh, moments ago who we have to talk about. Uh, who's that? One perfect 10, Ty Dillinger, who yes. requested his release he did. from WWE, put out a public statement saying basically he thanks everybody, all this sort of thing, but it's it's time to, to ply his craft. Well, I mean, he's not getting – they clearly don't value him in any way. He wasn't yeah. getting television time. He's a good worker. I like Ty Dillinger. Yeah, my, my roommate Brock is like a 
diehard for Ty Dillinger. Like, absolutely thinks the world is Ty Dillinger. I couldn't understand, like, before the call-ups when there were less bodies on SmackDown. Yeah. And, and there was, like, literally, like, no one in the undercard to challenge for the U.S. title. Why was Ty Dillinger not in that mix? Yes, I remember having no that thought, too. To yeah, that does seem bonkers. Um Ty Dillinger's older than I thought he was. You know, yeah, because because he's had a this is his second go around, right? Like he had yeah. a good long run on the indies before they brought him back again. Hasn't he been in NXT for like seven or eight years? Yeah, I think he's in his like late thirties. Yeah, I think he's thirty seven. If I'm not that, that could be wrong, but somewhere in that space, I didn't know he was that old. Yeah, not so, not that that's that old, but you for a guy exiting to go to the indies, that's something to consider. I mean, it, it is old if you're still not being used on television and feeling like you're yeah. wasting the best years. Of your career. For sure. I mean, you're, the best years of your career are already behind you at that age. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting any younger if you're just sitting around in the back eating catering and waiting for your chance, Hitting, right? You know, you know, I mean, listen, hard to feel bad for a guy who's uh, engaged to Peyton Royce. But yes. uh, I do know what you mean. It's There is one perfect 10 in that relationship. <laughs> yeah, It might not be the perfect 10, if you know what I'm saying. I, I respect a man who can land a Peyton Royce. He's the perfect 10 to me. Uh, him and Cody are, are boys. If you remember Cody back when he had a private or a personal Twitter, I should say. Did you mm-hmm. follow that account back in the day? No. It was like Hyrule Husky or something. He was always talking about how Ty Dillinger was like his favorite wrestler. He loved Ty Dillinger, call up the perfect 10, all this sort of thing. Do we see Dillinger go to AEW? Does he fit well in AEW? AEW needs undercard guys. Guys to lose. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like we keep talking about how every big star is going to go there. Well, you you can't have a company that's just nothing but stars. No, people have to lose. Exactly. Like that's yeah. he, they need people to lose. Especially if you're going to be a television show yeah. that that has weekly TV, like there's going to be matches there where guys, you know, uh pin other guys to get built up for whatever match they're building towards. I think Ty Dillinger is probably perfect for a role like that. Is that what you're expecting Ty Dillinger to AEW? Uh if it didn't happen, it I wouldn't be surprised by that because, yeah. I mean, he's not, like, the biggest name or whatever. But it would feel weird if he requested his release just so he could go back to working, like, the Ontario Indies, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I, I'll i be honest. I don't know how well he does on the Indies outside of AEW. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's better than, like, a – he has a better shot than, like, a Darren Young. And it is a fun gimmick. Like, honestly, yeah. if, if, like, Ballroom Brawl was coming up and, yep. and like – we were guaranteed to see Ty Dillinger work ECCW. The our local chant would here. be incredible. Yeah, it would be super fun, and I'd have a great time with that, and I would want to go to that show. So I agree. I could actually see him having like a decently successful indie run just because it's a fun gimmick, and I'm sure people would like book him to work Respond that, to that gimmick. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, of the two, what's more likely he does that or goes to AEW, I'd probably lean towards he goes to AEW. Yeah, I think, I think that's true for me too. But he is not the only one. Asking or not asking to be released from WWE this week, JMO. Let me throw a couple names at you. A couple cruiserweights who are no longer with the company and your reactions. Kenta, one Hideo Itami, heading back to Japan, no longer part of the WWE. Is that system. finally official? It is official as, as of today. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because I mean we've known that for a little while. Yeah. Um, and I mean, <laughs> one of the biggest arguments that we've ever had. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Within our group of friends uh, on the topic of pro wrestling was me uh, and my unwavering belief that Hideo Itami had uh, higher-end potential than Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. Uh, And I stand by that Mm -hmm. because I think he is a really talented worker, and he demonstrated over the course of his NXT career that he is actually really good at working both heel and babyface, Mm -hmm. which was not something that I thought Nakamura could do. 
But I like Nakamura's heel run There's also, maybe so even maybe more. I was wrong on that uh, front a little bit. Though, at the same time, like Nakamura feels lost to me. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, Kent is just out of the company, yeah. so what do I know? It seems like both of them had lower ceilings than we expected, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but does, does he, he does, to me at least, and I, again, I don't agree that he uh, has a higher ceiling than Nakamura, mm-hmm. but I think you'd have to be insane to not think the guy was underused. He feels like a big what-if, doesn't he? Well... Just derailed by injuries at every turn, yeah. right? Like, yeah. he, it's, it would have been amazing to see what he would have done in NXT if he'd not suffered these debilitating injuries. Because if you look back at, like, the golden age of NXT, like, the the boom period when, yeah. like, Kevin Owens, Owens debuts. Neville, Zane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That era. He should have been right in that mix, but instead kind of lost like a year of his career to a significant shoulder injury. And then and, and by the time he came back, like all of the foreigner top spot love that should have been going towards him was being soaked up by Nakamura. And mm-hmm. he like he had a minute to capitalize where he could have been huge and he missed it. Yeah, this is one where uh, it's hard for me to actually blame WWE too much here. It's like, how much momentum are you going to put behind a guy who gets injured for a year, comes back for a bit, and is off for, what, another eight months or so? Something like, like that, yeah. So that's... I understand not pushing that guy, quite frankly. Yeah. Like that, that's, I can understand. And so. you can understand taking away the go to sleep, too, after he broke <laughs> Brian Kendrick's orbital bone. Uh, but it's unfortunate because I do feel like if he was able to do the go to sleep, he would have been a lot more popular than he ultimately He would became. at least have been known for something, exactly. right? Like, it, he, I, I would have felt, I know it's his move. I don't need your ats explaining to me that Kenta did the go to sleep first. But in the WWE system, I actually think it, I don't know. It, it rang kind of weird to me, uh, him doing the go to sleep. I just remember the first time he did it was on a non-televised show that NXT oh, ran on Mania Weekend in San Jose. Oh, that's right. And, like, the video of it went viral. Yeah. Of just, like, somebody shot it from the crowd awesome. of, oh, my God, he did the go to sleep. Like, the first time anyone's done it since Punk left. Well, like, and what a moment that felt like. And there was just all this kind of, you know online buzz around him and all this yeah, that feeling true. of wanting him to succeed. And he came, when he did that initial comeback and he feuded with Austin Aries, yep. it was good. That was fun. It was super good. Like, but I mean, nobody's going to get over on 205 live. Nobody. Yeah, that's yeah. It's you, impossible. Yeah. It's just a breeding ground to hope you get somewhere else where you can get over. Jamie, I'm going to pitch to you another guy who you said had a higher ceiling than Nakamura. TJ Perkins. I didn't leaving. <laughs> Leaving WWE. JMO, please don't go back on your words. I have it written down right here. Hang on. I'll read it verbatim. Uh, TJP is my favorite wrestler and has a much higher ceiling than Nakamura. Justin Morris. No. So you're going to call me a liar? wrote that in your notes app. (laughs) I am known to do that. That is true. attributed my name to it. Sometimes I am. I would say guilty of that, but this is not one of those times. I never said that. Please don't look at my phone. Uh, TJP leaving. Do we give a shit? A little bit. Yeah. feels... TJP is a better worker than he gets credit for, quite frankly. And I also feel like he found a character that worked for him yeah, eventually, cl- too. A clear gimmick. And again, I don't watch 205 Live. I don't know what we're missing out on. It did. It does seem... If I'm another company, I'm giving a hard look at TJP. Oh, yeah. And it was weird to me that they would release before so many other guys. The first guy, the winner of the Cruiserweight Classic Well, if he wanted gone. to go... You know. I don't think he did. It sounds like he was fired. Not, oh, really? Not asked for his release. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that's how I understand it. Was He's like the only one who got fired, not, not that asked. That is him. weird. Though. Yeah. And apparently Leo Rush might be next. Two guys who have had you know sort of reputations rubbing people the wrong way backstage. 
Uh, yeah. Interesting. So uh, I won't say I'm mourning TJP leaving. It's only the thing that he won the Cruiserweight Classic and that, you know, he, very Seemed like a good dude. Yeah. I, I think he's a bit of a, a conservative blowhard, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, well, know. then. Never mind. Yeah, fuck him. His stories of still better than playing, a centrist. Playing N sixty four with uh, with Brian Kendrick back <laughs> in the true. day made him seem like a good dude at the very least. But hey, at least Omega can use that theme now when he goes to WWE. <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah, I mean, it, it's how do you feel any sort of loss for a guy who's only on two hundred five live yeah, in the company, right? Like. <laughs> I say that, but if Grand Metalik got released, I would be like super upset. Well, hey, but but I mean that's because you're such a lucha house party. Exactly. Martin. When he's swinging the fucking noisemaker around, exactly. there's no one happy. Yeah, exactly. I'm going crazy. There's another guy like TJP who's like, I hope you reuse that fucking awesome entrance music once they're gone. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and and they probably will because, I mean, how many how many guys had funkies on a roll? You know. Yeah. The so the Funkadactyls, Brodus Clay. Um, uh, what was his name? Big Dick Johnson uses the instrumental for that, not with the words, but the okay. dun, 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 dun. You know who else used it? Who? I don't know if people know this. Joey Ryan on two episodes of Lucha Underground. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if people know that. Uh, Interesting. But just the instrumental again, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, J-Mo, before we get into the people segment, we must touch on one thing. Which is? A follow-up from last week. Ah. ah. The Undertaker no longer on StarCast. Yeah, because apparently they're trying to get, work real hard to get him on WrestleMania instead. Was this a negotiation ploy by uh, the dead man? To threaten to work an AEW event if you're not going to put me on Mania? Yeah. Maybe, but also if you're Undertaker, why would you give a fuck if you're on WrestleMania or not? <laughs> Like I don't give your hips a break, bud. <laughs> you're off, old man. <laughs> but then I guess if you're Undertaker, you're also thinking, how many manias do I have left? Minus five. And, <laughs> That's and, how many. I know that. I know that. <laughs> you and I know that. Everyone knows that. But in his mind, he's thinking, well, it'll be easier for me to work a mania match this year than it will be next year. Yeah, that's and true. if I'm not retiring right now, then... I probably should be on Mania. But then again, it's it speaks to exactly what we were talking about earlier, which is that there is no clear path to Mania this year because they don't know what they're doing. They don't even know if they have an Undertaker match yet. And if they do have one, they don't know who it's <laughs> going to be with. So, yeah, just silly times all around. If one Undertaker is showing up at WrestleMania, JMO, just off the top of your head, who's his opponent? <sighs> I mean, do you go back to Cena again? I guess you sort of have to in some ways, but God, that seems like a waste of Cena to me. It does. But also, Cena McIntyre is a waste, and everybody thinks that's going to happen because like, they were using McIntyre's beatdown as the reason why Cena was off TV, but that they've feels just ice cold. It. Yeah, they just dropped yeah, it. It's not, like they're, it's not like week to week they're building up McIntyre as this big destroyer who, that's the man who took out John Cena. You know, If they yeah. were doing that on commentary then they would be like okay yeah of exactly course, that's a natural lock but like you said like vince mcmahon said apparently like he just nobody feels like a big deal there's only one scene a match for me uh, as far as i'm concerned alistair black no oh, or sorry taker it. rather that's the taker match is alistair black I hadn't really thought about that. You know, that's kind of interesting. But you got to save him because that's who's that's that's who'll retire Taker. If you give me a coffin match between Taker and Black, I'm weirdly here that's for it. That's next year's main. I'm weirdly here for it. No, the the Cena match, and if they don't do this before the man retires, I'm never watching wrestling again. Uh, Samoa Joe and Cena. They have a history. The the styles are incredibly complimentary. Imagine the fucking promo battles between John mm -hmm. Cena and Samoa Joe. Mm -hmm. Come on, player, give it to me. 
Um, yeah, that that could be good. You could also go uh, EC3. <laughs> EC3 yeah. and Alexa versus... Oh. I guess you can't well, do you Cena and Nikki anymore. Oh my god! <laughs> they, wow. they get back together for Who an you EC3 host a Alexa. Feud? <laughs> yeah, that's the return for Cena. We're all dying for a mixed tag. <laughs> I hate it. Hey, the mixed tag at Mania a couple years ago against Miz was fun. Uh, okay, it got the, good. The match, reaction. the match itself was a squash. The feud was super fun. Oh, it's one of my favorite. The, what was the fake reality show, Miz and Maurice? Total BS. Oh, my Lord. Tell me there was a funnier off-location bit in, like, the past five oh years. Oh, my God. No, Maurice as Nikki is the greatest uh, thing ever. Yeah, somehow it created the hottest woman ever <laughs> in one. And the Miz is so funny as seen his posture the yeah, whole time. Yeah, like, he's just, got his arms out, like, action figure pose. <laughs> it's just unbelievably funny. It was funny. tremendous. So uh, great. But, I mean, no, I don't know. I don't know. Again, there's, like, no clear fits for anyone right now. And... I I I worry. I'm really worried right now about Ricochet. Honestly, we didn't oh, talk yeah. about this earlier. Yeah. But of the four guys, now honestly, it's not like Champa and Gargano were done many favors this week either. Standing next to Cesaro and Sheamus and just yep. looking like the world's smallest men. <laughs> they really did. Um, Sheamus and I forget who he had on the top. Was it? It might have been Champa. I think. I thought he made him look like a baby <laughs> like this is a small dude and Sheamus is huge yeah, don't get me wrong of course. But. of course but like I worry that Ricochet is just going to become another like flippity flappity guy like he yeah. he is a star the I, entrance helps him he is a huge star he's like maybe my favorite wrestler to watch right now in, wow. in the entire company holy shit uh, that's, a big, that's a big thing to say but like you, you just always know you're gonna get something amazing from him you know like and and they they didn't give it to us this week no. in either of his matches on main roster TV. Yeah, it was like yes, he won with the big six thirty. Yeah, but like that that's gonna feel old if you go back to the six thirty well all the time. He doesn't do it very often in NXT. No, no, and I think that's for the benefit of things. Yeah, I have concerns about Ricochet too. It, he does seem to just sort of get swallowed in there in some capacity. But that said, if there was one guy who can like convince people just through wrestling, mm-hmm. he's a guy though that you need to give him time on his matches. You need to like let him. And you know the WWE TV system is not the best for that kind of performer. Sometimes. I mean, I was convinced that he was going to be a big star by the time he got to the roster, just because he's the perfect combination of like seems like a good dude you want to cheer for yep. and is amazing in the ring. But just from one week of being on main roster television, I'm like, oh, no. Like, what if this guy is just Evan Bourne, you know? Wow. Yeah. I. That's actually an incredibly good comparison. That's And th- that's a real fear. That yeah. should be a real concern. You just made me more nervous. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, because if they're going to just roll these guys out with no plan for how they're being presented and no plan for what they're going to do, then, yeah, that is a genuine concern that if there is no direction if there is no story if there is no promo like then there's nothing to latch on to and he's just going to be a guy who does flips i couldn't agree more jmo let's exit this and enter into uh you know a segment uh you know a a, a, a good segment mm-hmm. uh, uh, the people before we get there and i hate to cut off your intro it's just it's just that it's i know we kind of talked about this earlier but like the show was heavily rewritten, and apparently Triple H did not have a ton of input on its direction. Well, that makes sense. Because apparently all he was able to do was nix Vince's idea of doing Finn versus Ricochet on Raw. 
Why didn't he want that to happen? Because he felt like that should be a pay-per-view match and not the first match that we ever see of this guy. Don't give that away on free TV. I think that is the right decision. I don't. But, but I, a bad call. But I also feel like, you know, if you're going to lean on Triple H to tell you which guys to call up, you should also lean on him to tell you how to present them because he's done a yeah. great job of presenting them down in NXT. Don't you think Ricochet Ballard probably would have been good for Ricochet on Monday? How are we going to say you have to introduce these people in important spots and then be but like... But I mean, that's not an important spot, though, right? Like, that's just a match. If, There's still no moment there. There's still no... If the, Okay, here's how it's good. Mm-hmm. If Balor could cut a promo worth a shit and is out there talking about, this icy belt means everything to me. Here's why. Mm-hmm. And then Ricochet comes out and he's like, you're good, I'm better. We have something. Yeah, or if, like, uh, you know, that... <laughs> crew of villains we were talking about yeah, earlier, the po- Baron and Lashley, the and boys, McIntyre, if they're all beating Finn down and it's a three on one, that's even and better. Ricochet comes out and he clears the ring of all these big guys just through his quickness and aerial Even just moves. one of them. Yeah. And then I love that. That's a great and, call. And he, like he comes out and he makes the save and they like fist bump afterwards. Then that's a moment. That's yeah. like, oh, look at this guy. I a want to cheer for him and b look at his cool move set. Like basically, what they need to do is find a way to present Ricochet where you are saying, "Holy fucking shit!" Like you're 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 sharing the gifts on Twitter. You're calling your buddies and saying, "You got to see this guy." Yeah, because he can do that more He's, than most. Yeah, yeah and. I feel like already in one week, there's no indication that they know how to present them like that. I'm very interested in this next week's TV. I really, like, just to see where they go with these things. Anyways. Segment! Yes! <laughs> the People's Segment! <laughs> it's time for Sunday Night Tweet. Which, of course, the people loved so much last time it came back. Yeah, very, for all those people say, oh, bring back Sunday Night Tweet! J-Mo goes five for five. And no, not nobody, nobody, do, nobody reacts at all. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I felt like maybe one more week of it. For this new non-three-round format, it's nice to have a segment here. That, and then we'll do the Elimination Chamber review on the other side of this. Yes. Uh, so no keep it or kick it this week. We're bringing back the not requested at all Sunday night tweet. Which means it's time to hit. Nope. No, it's not time to hit the music. No, it's no, just that's time. the other one. I'm all confused. That's okay. It happens to the best of us. JMO, this episode of Sunday Night Tweet is brought to you by Fruits Are Brewable Brewing Company. You like fruits? Put them in beer. Uh, of course, what I'm saying, JMO, is uh, our good friend, uh, friend of the show, Craig Tamble, sent us uh, a couple beer skis the other week, and today we're drinking the 11.2% New Day Breakfast Stout. I hear it pairs very well with pancakes. Oh, no, I don't think that could be the case. I do believe that is true. Yeah, why, what are you getting at? Uh, it's the New Day. Yeah, I'm with you so far. Yeah, it's and New Day. They're, they're pancake-powered. Okay, yeah, I guess it does make sense. Yeah, I, I get what you're getting. And it's at. a breakfast stout. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, see, you lost. So me new again. day is breakfast. <laughs> the stout is breakfast. Let's have a sip. Should we give some tasting notes here? Yeah, Cheers absolutely. My hashtag, absolutely. Good absolutely. Before we play a little Sunday night tweet, Happy let's front. enjoy uh, some of this uh, Friday night treat. Yeah, I will. love Friday night treat <laughs> before Sunday night tweet. Yeah. Oh yeah. That is potent, and that is good. That is good. I'm not usually much of a stout guy, honestly. But? Uh, this I this I have no problem with. Yeah, it goes down. Extre- Craig is a really good brewer. He really <laughs> like, is. He, he, like, Craig, I'm sure you're probably hearing this. You're really fucking good at making beers. Mm-hmm. My buddies who do homebrew, it is dog shit. I, I wouldn't give it to an enemy. It tastes like vinegar and these horrible bottles. 
This is delicious. So thank you very much once again. Fruits are brewable. Uh, what's this Twitter handle? Fruits are edible? I think yes. that's right. Thank you very much, Craig. In this case, fruits are drinkable. Glug, 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 baby. <laughs> and with that, J-Mo, should I explain the rules to one Sunday Night Tweet? I would love it if you would. Sunday Night Tweet is a segment where I, Josh Custodio, scour the website twitter.com, and I look for uh, through Twitter accounts of people on the active WWE roster, and I just I go through their timelines, and I look for tweets that are sort of askew or funny or just catch my attention in any sort of way. I then read them to J-Mo verbatim, and he must guess basically on no information who on the active roster is the tweeter in question. Do you understand the rules, Justin? I do, and last time I went five for five, which means there's all kinds of pressure on me to perform equally well this week. You're not going to. Okay. <laughs> this is this is some feel. I've, I'm trying to bring you down a peg. Going right. perfect? I, if you even go one for five, here I'll eat my shoe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think I'll get at least one for five, so you better get no ready to chance. eat your shoe. There is no chance. If you get even if you even get near, I'll give you ten guesses on okay. each one. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think you're going to eat your shoe, bud. Well, I'm pretty hungry. Look forward to it. <laughs> J-Bob, our first tweet this week says, Landed late last night. Must be meeting with somebody important today. Hashtag on the road again. And a photo of uh, this wrestler getting out of a private jet. Who? Landed late last night. No. Is there anybody else in the photo? Yes. His uh, wife. Yes, and I know that. He shouldn't have told me anything because I already knew who it was because I saw this tweet. I Fuck. forgot about it. But it came back around because the other person in the photo is Michelle McCool <laughs> because it is The Undertaker. Uh, no, no. Still zero for one. Not The Undertaker. That was uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Moving you know, on here. No. Correct, Shamo. Your you're one for one. Time for the shoe eating, baby. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Done. Oh, delicious. Folks, he ate it. Right? it gross. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even burp afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Shame <laughs> tweet number two this week. Another photo. Yeah, ah. Are we still mad that Undertaker is tweeting? I mean, I'm sure some idiots are. And Undertaker but... uh, has a private jet or whatever that he takes around. I'm sure. Listen, I just like that the dead man travels at teleport night. through lightning. Yeah, that's how I always assumed he moved. Exactly. So. But sometimes probably, that probably hurts getting hit by lightning and whatnot. It gets old, so you take the plane if you I don't guess. feel like it. But I think he, he is the lightning. He's part of the lightning. Wow. Yeah. J-Mo, you know what the second tweet is. Do I? You know who, who the two people that yeah, the tweet, the, the, tweet, the second vision, who are the two people that can be? It'll either be the Scottish Supernova, Noam Dar. Correct. Watch, who boy, talking about cruiserweights getting released. I'd be upset if Noam Dar was no longer in the company. He would still be considered an active member of the WWE <laughs> roster just for Sunday night tweet. It's either the Scottish Supernova, Noam Dar, or the Blitzen Trapper herself, Sarah Logan. So who do you think it is? Well, you haven't even told me what the tweet is. Well, there's almost no tweet. So here we go. <laughs> Jamal, this tweet is a photograph of, of the tweeter in question standing next to a giant mascot raccoon. Okay. And accompanied with the words that just say, gang, gang. Gang, gang. A giant raccoon. <sighs> there's nothing to go off there. Well, I mean, you know, gang, gang. <laughs> and who likes raccoons, I suppose? Giant raccoon. Mm. And the word gang written twice. See, the raccoon part, you'd see raccoons in the wild. And they might be <laughs> trapped by the Blitz and Trapper. Wow. She was real desperate for, for meat in her stew. She but might cook a raccoon. Would she say gang, gang? The raccoon part makes me think that it's her. But yeah, the, the words make me think Noam Dar. And also, he seems more likely to post goofy photos than she does. Sure. So I'm going to go with the Scottish supernova Noam Dyer. Count it one, count it two, J-Bo, you're two for two on this week's Hell episode yeah. of Sunday Night Tweet. <laughs> 
Funky's on a roll. Funky's on a roll. <laughs> Funky's on it's a roll. the worst roll. song in the world. No, what are you crazy? It's so bad. Somebody call up my mom. That's horrible. Somebody call up my mom. It's mama. so annoying. It kicks ass. It's so annoying. I'm, I'm gonna, I got it in my head now. You know how in the video games, like all of the music just plays? Yeah. Like it's all the, the superstar themes on yeah. the menu and whatnot. When I was playing, I think, uh, WWE 13, the one with CM Punk on the cover, uh-huh. I went into the options and disabled that <laughs> song from playing. I do that for a bunch, but would never <laughs> do it for somebody to call up my mama. JMO, tweet number three this week. I should have done it for Zack Ryder's theme, too. That one's super annoying as well. It is somebody quote tweeting a uh, promotional tweet for Paige's movie coming out, Fighting With My Family. Mm. I believe Zelina Vega also went in the Are you going to see rock- that? It, apparently it's good. I was thinking we could maybe do it for next month's Patreon episode. We don't have a twenty dollar uh, donor yet. Yeah. We can maybe do a review of Fighting with My Family. I was thinking about going to see that maybe tonight even. Wow, I'm seeing Rory Scovel tonight. Ooh, time for this, Jamie boy. Here we go. I will see this because I don't think any of our movies have ever had reviews this high. In brackets, see armed response. Congrats to Paige and the Rock, and then sorry about that table in the dark thing that one time. I don't know what that means. Sorry about that table in the dark thing. But somebody somebody admitting that WWE films are usually dog shit, saying that they will see this one because they've never had reviewed so high. I think I, that's pretty funny. I will see this because our movies are not usually reviewed so high. Yeah, and then and quotes. Is there a WWE film called Armed Response? Armed Response. You think, and I'm, I'm going to Google. Okay, I'm not sure. I'm thinking this is probably somebody who's been in a WWE film. And also, if they're apologizing for Paige for what sounds like a bump, then I'm thinking it's also a women's wrestler. So who's a woman who's been in a WWE film before? I'm not sure. They all star The Miz. <laughs> <laughs> Is it The Miz? <laughs> Is that your no, guess? No, not officially. I'm going to continue to break down these clues in my mind here. <sighs> okay, this – it is a movie, Armed Response – this wrestler is in it. You know who else is in this movie? Who? Wesley Snipes is the star of Armed Response. Armed Response. Yeah, so. When did this come out? 2017, somewhat recently. That's bizarre. So, uh. I never even heard of that movie. Who, who, yeah, well, I mean, not, not totally shocking. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess the, that's the true. The scheme of things. That's true. Uh. Who. Do you need a hint? No, I think I have enough clues right now. Okay. I'm. Uh, Time's a ticking, JMO. The, the pressure is on. Can you go three for three? Who started our God response? I'm going to say Randy Orton. JMO, it is not Randy Orton. The streak is over. It is your guy, the king of the curb stomp. Let's burn it down. It's Seth Rollins. Colby Lopez. Colby Lopez won Seth Rollins. Of course, yeah, he was in a movie, right? I remember that. I didn't, but I actually thought this tweet was kind of endearing, like that he was going to support his friends and sort of shitting on the, the WWE films in general. I, I liked this tweet a lot. Uh, JMO, are you ready for the fourth tweet? Yes. I wanted to say thanks to everyone for all the love and good vibes over the past week. Your support has been overwhelming. Tonight didn't go our way, but I believe that we are one step closer. Read it again. I wanted to say thanks to everyone for all the love and good vibes over the past week. Your support has been overwhel- has been just overwhelming. Tonight didn't go our way, but I believe that we are one step closer. Okay, this is about Kofi. But it wasn't written by Kofi, I don't think. Was that Big E or was that Xavier? Both great Twitters. I'm going to say Xavier Woods. 
JMO, you're close, but no cigar. Ah. It's not Xavier Woods. It is Kofi Kingston. It was Kofi. Kofi Kingston. I didn't even know he had Twitter. True at True Kofi. Oh, wow. His name is currently uh, Kofi Fastlane. Rob Gronkowski. Oh yes, I have seen that. So there you go. You're right. JMO, you know what the fifth tweet is. It's your favorite tweet of the week. It's my favorite tweet of the week, JMO. And this oh. this week's is uh, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Are you ready? I am. I feel a, no pressure now that I've bombed out the last two. No, you're still doing fine. Uh, this one, uh, very short, very succinct. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the meanest one of all? Hashtag Sultress of Savagery. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the meanest one of all? Hashtag the Sultress of Savagery. <laughs> Truly one of the worst nicknames I've ever ever heard somebody try to give themselves who in the wwe roster is the sultress of savagery jmo this is who's, easily who's, my f- who's looking at themselves in the mirror all the time that's the real question no well me i'm gonna say mandy rose what a great guess jmo not mandy rose i totally get the line of thinking but the sultress of savagery is none other than tamina he, he knew from the impression folks. he did the impression <laughs> folks it was indeed one tamina snuka that's a really bad nickname. The Sultress of... Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's <laughs> the mean... I don't want to just pick on Tamina because she sucks, but I thought this tweet was fucking I mean, She hilarious. does suck, and we should pick on her also. Yeah, let's do it. Tamina, <laughs> stop. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's room for her on the roster, not, you know, TJP even. I yeah. mean, she could spend the rest of her life trading wrestling and not be able to do one-tenth of the man's moves. <laughs> she, she might be the only worse promo than TJP. I mean, true. I don't have a lot of good things to say about uh, Tamina Jamo. Jamo, you went two for five this week and not, not bad great. not great but not bad that's true you can't be too hard on yourself in this world because everyone else is already doing it for you that's hope the I folks at home uh, had an easier time than i did yeah tweeted us what you got out of five on that we know in the the patreon group chat which of course jamo where, where could i if i want to can you explain to me what the patreon group chat is it's just it's uh it's surprising that we don't have any ladies in that chat because it's just a bunch of hunks posting photos of themselves constantly. There is a lot of uh, positive support and male love. People post pictures of themselves. And then the other people are like, wow, very handsome. Uh, and and we've, we're putting a discount on this week, Chamo, Okay. Yeah. Generally, to join this Patreon chat, you have to head on over to patreon.com slash topmarks and throw $600 into the chat, which, which many people have done just, just to be in this chat. But today only, Chamo, mm-hmm. or whenever you're hearing this, I'm willing to lower the price by percent. $5 gets you into the Patreon group. Just head on over to patreon.com slash topmarks. Throw $5 in the hat. DM me on Twitter at J0SHC, and I will add you to the hottest, most fun, most supportive wrestling group chat on Earth. Yeah. He was going to say four ninety nine, folks, but uh, we don't accept pennies in Canada anymore. <laughs> That's so we right. had to round up to the nearest uh, dollar amount. What do you think of that, getting rid of the penny? That's a smart move. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm sick of having coins in my pocket. Yeah, man. And it feels very like in keeping with metric system. We're going fives and zeros. I, yeah. I'm not a, a, a penny pursuer, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. And and, you know, you might lose a couple pennies on the round down, but then you gain a couple pennies on the round up the next time, and it all comes out in the wash, which is what pennies used to do, come out in the wash. Yeah, constantly yeah, in the when fucking dryer. When your jeans were doing a spin in the dryer, they're, <laughs> they're just rattling around in there. Jamo, I know you've got a lot to say about Elimination Chamber. Uh, not a ton. You've got, I know, because let, let's, okay, so let's start here. I don't want to be... You know, awful here, but let's start with the match that opened the show the tag team elimination chamber match for the inaugural WWE tag team champion, women's tag team championship, mm-hmm. with competitors the team of the Boston Hug Connection, Carmella and Naomi. Naomi? Carmella and Naomi. You think you know me. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Carmela and Naomi. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Nia Jackson Tamina. The Iconics. I'm broken up. And the Riot Squad. That uh, sounds right. Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. Oh, man, Jamal. The beginning of this match sucked. Jesus H. Christ. This... It's too many people who it aren't is. good at wrestling. It is. It is. And but here's the thing: like, <coughs> we already saw a number of these competitors in the elimination chamber on the women's side last year. I guess year, that's true, huh? And they were they were all pretty good. Yeah, I guess actually. you can't remove Alexa Bliss from the. This. Well, tag teams, it is different, mm-hmm. and I get that. But there were some. Listen, I think we're both big fans of the Iconics here. Yeah, the Iconics got a great entrance here. They did a ton of double team moves. These need to be better practiced. Them talking trash to every pod on the way to entering their own pod. That was great. The character stuff was good. But their offense is so totally unconvincing. Like They've obviously practiced these double team moves, and they got to hit them on basically everybody in the match, if memory serves. And I did mm-hmm. love the spot where they kept jumping for pins on like everybody. Yeah. But those two and Mandy Rose, I mean, I don't need everything to be fucking Minoru Suzuki stiffness. But... Offense that that soft, I, I genuinely find not hard to watch, but entirely unenjoyable. It's just people doing rehearsed moves. I'm not saying it's the exact same thing as my critique of Ricochet Gargano, where it's just like just people doing this really practiced thing. But that and then no hard hittingness. I once this got down to the core competitors and the tail end of the match, I thought it improved. But I, I thought it was a rough going at the beginning of this one. How about you? Uh, yeah, not great. Not, not, not great. Any standout? Somebody you thought did perform well? I thought Liv Morgan was an obvious star in this match to me. I thought selling her ass off for absolutely every bit of offense. I mean, Sasha and Bailey well, just yeah. seemed like a cut above everyone, it, right? It, it almost was bad that it seemed so obvious, didn't you think? Um, yes and no. I, I still thought there might be a chance that some heels would kind of overcome and because that I mean that's we talked about this in the lead up to this match. Yeah. The natural story to tell is to make the heels the first ever winners, and then you get your babyface coronation at WrestleMania. Even if it's Nia and Tamina, I say yes for the record. Yeah, because I'd rather see them be the champs right now and lose later than having them be the challengers to our babyface champions at Mania, which makes no sense. I was surprised because, especially with it being so early in the card, I thought for sure a heel was going to take it home. But And it does feel like that's the direction, right? That yeah. it's oh, going to yeah. be Nia and Tamina versus Sasha and Bailey at Mania. Which, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know how you have Tamina in these high-profile spots. I've, I've never seen her do anything I would consider even adequate for being a pro wrestler. And I, I don't mean to sound awful, mm-hmm. but th- can you think, and I'm not joking, can you think of one good Tamina moment? No. Like, th- is there one? I'm, I'm really not sure, and yet they she's... They all involve AJ. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, that's so yeah, long it's, ago. It's a cheat code, almost. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, as a credit to WWE, I thought they did a good job of making the women's tag belts feel like a big deal that these were introduced, and I think the belts look great. And I yeah, think they're super Sasha cool-looking belts. Something. I actually really like the belts I a lot. I think so, too. Um, but I just... This match just didn't... It, again, picked up at the end. I liked Liv Morgan selling a bunch. Just too many people trying to figure out what to do. So much like standing, doing nothing for a bunch of people, or just like half hitting someone in a corner, waiting for your spot. Really, really just not ready for the spotlight. Especially like, not that I really thought they had a chance, but eliminating Carmella and Naomi out of the gate first, and then you're left with one babyface team of Bailey and Sasha. Yeah. 
it really telegraphed the I way agree. the match was going to go I, for I, me. I we were talking about how the Daniel Bryan and Kofi helps you escape this sort of mental math. Mm -hmm. This was the moment where it's like, okay, there's one babyface team here. I will say, though, that like at least they didn't have Nia and Tamina be right there until the end. Yeah. So that was like a degree of intrigue of sure. like, oh my goodness, like the Riot Squad could actually win this thing. And I, I would be actually super on board with that. I think I said in the Patreon group chat once um, the Iconics were eliminated, I was like, oh, must be going to the Riot Squad then. Mm -hmm. And I was like, actually, that's kind of cool, you know? There, there's things they can do with that. And, and especially they've been super good over the last several months. Most improved act so far? Probably. I, I have a... I never fast forward through the Riot Squad or anything. I, I always enjoy what they're up to. And I think I'm becoming a bit of like, I was already a Ruby Riot mark. And I think some, some warmth from Sarah Logan in our, in our show. But I really think I'm growing to like Liv Morgan. I really do. She's super fun. Yeah. And like, she's, she, I've always like respected her you have, as a ring worker. Yeah. Like we go back to, I can't even remember who she was working against. Maybe. I think uh, it was Bianca Belair. No, it was, uh, what's her name? She's from Toronto. Cat ears. Aaliyah. Oh it yeah, was a Liv Morgan right. versus Aaliyah match on NXT we last year that here. you and I watched together. Yep, and like she did all these amazing, cool spots of like flipping and dodging offense and whatnot. Yeah, it was like it. it it's kind of like a creative use of athleticism, the way that like Naomi often gets credited with. But like it actually made me go like, whoa, yeah, hang on a second yep. here. I, I had the exact um, same. And yeah, I mean that it's just a good act. Like and mm -hmm. it's crazy. We've talked about this on the show before, but you go back to them debuting the night after Absolution and just to go from like a nothing The night before, but still. Was it no, it's the night after because they were on SmackDown. They oh, debuted. Yeah, you're right. Second. You're right. Paige They did so weird to switch Paige on afterwards. Raw, right, because yeah. Paige went to be GM. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So they were really dealt a bad hand right out of the gate. And mm -hmm. to watch them stay together, which is not something you would even expect, really. If I told you that a group debuted on the main roster, what, like a year and a half ago, and that they're still together right now, and in fact have only gotten better and better with time, mm -hmm. like that is not the kind of run that anyone is ever allowed to have in this company. It's them and New Day, like yeah. nobody else. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm really enjoying the Riot Squad. Uh, Jamo, for for full disclosure, I watched this pay per view. I watched the women's chamber, and then mm -hmm. I had to go for dinner, and then I came home and had to just catch the the men's chamber. And then on Monday, which happened to be a stat, I watched the remaining. And a lot of people had told me, "Oh, you saw the only things worth seeing. This show sucked ass." Yeah. And a lot of it was bad. But this next match, Shane McMahon and the Miz taking on the Usos, I actually thought this was kind of a killer match. Yeah, super fun. Yeah. Uh, Shane McMahon doing some actual wrestling, which I mean, was kind of weird to see. So gassed. <laughs> <laughs> Look absolutely blown up. So, so, like, I'm kind of worried as we get into the Mania feud that this is going to become, like, how he's going to work a full match against Miz. Yeah. Um, and I'm also kind of worried about Miz turning heel because I just enjoy him so much as a babyface, which I never thought I would say. Do you think there's a chance they keep Miz babyface breaking up out of this? And Shane turns heel? Yeah. It's hard to do. Yeah. But they, I mean, it's also easy to do in some ways because it's Shane, you know? It's not natural, and Mrs. Dad's involvement makes it even less natural. But if I'm, if, you know, Josh Custodio's got the book, I'm finding out a way to do that. I, I feel. I mean, wasn't all the word before this program even started that they wanted to turn Shane heel? Yeah, that was. There so was. There is a way to do it. For sure. He just becomes Authority McMahon. Like, yeah. it's, it's not the most interesting thing in the world. But I'm kind of ready for Babyface Miz, to be but honest. That, but then there's an interesting dynamic there between Miz and his dad yep. and Shane and his dad. <laughs> Vince versus uh, Miz's father. I'm all in, quite well, frankly. Well, I, I don't mean that those two guys get involved in the match. I do. I mean, you could have them on the, uh, at ringside. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely you could. And it's like Vince and Shane versus the Miz and his, like, slob of a father. <laughs> I love it. I love Miz. 
is his dad too. He's just such an everyman, and it's so perfect that like this guy was a wrestling fan, and his son became a wrestler, like yeah. to impress him. It's so awesome because there. This is a dual story of like men desperate to impress their fathers. You know, like mm. Shane. Shane doesn't do any of the things that he does in the ring and all the crazy stunts that we've seen over the years if on some level he is not, like, insanely desperate to win the approval of his, like, madman of a, of a dad, you know? J-Mo, you actually just sort of, like, lit up something in my brain. I'm having a galaxy brain moment. Really? I would love if that became the feud. If they steered into that, this is two men doing this to impress their fathers, which is something, I don't know if you relate to it, mm -hmm. but certainly I can think of, like, I want my dad to be proud of me. Like, I want him to think, you know, my son's not a total fucking buffoon. Uh, you know, I still have a lot of improving to do to exit the fucking buffoon yeah, but, stage. But, but, I mean, if you were to lean into Shane being a heel, there's such an easy way to do that. Like, the the rich kid Absolutely. and, his, and his, his rich dad who's, like, spoiled this kid rotten. Are you saying thinks, bring back the Mean Street Posse? And thinks that he's, like, the best thing in the world, yeah. you know? And literally gave him a trophy that says as much. Best wrestler in the world. Yeah, like there's so much potential to do a good heel run with Shane here that ties into being a McMahon in a way that's different from being a McMahon authority figure. Yeah. That's yeah. I so think if, if they go that route, I'm actually super into it. And I thought this match was I was not looking forward to this match, honestly. Why's that? I don't know. It's just like you know, <laughs> Shane is not uh, someone that I necessarily want to see doing offense outside of stunt situations. Or the Miz, really. And the Miz, really, <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah, but it, like, it was good. Yeah. And credit to the Usos yes. for being the ones to carry these guys to a, a pretty good tag match. And for beating up cops. Yeah, true. That too. JMO, these next two the matches. Tr the true Antifa. <laughs> God bless the Jimmy Usos. Jimmy and Jay. Us. Uh, JMO, I. I I really can't think of a thing to say about this as Ronda Rousey just squashes Ruby Riot. Before we move on to that, though, oh, yeah. let's stick with the Usos for a second. Sure. Because uh, after they won the belts, uh, Rikishi, speaking of dads being proud of their kids, took to Instagram to post a little photo collage of his sons and their six tag title victories. Yeah. And he kind of tipped that they might be leaving the company that's how it came across to me now i don't know if he's just negotiating on part of his boys you know what i mean yeah uh but it did come across to me i saw that post somebody i think shared it on twitter and, and we talk about guys leaving and and guys you know automatically become linked to AEW. i know you pushed back against this a couple weeks ago being like you can't not every guy can leave and go to AEW, and which is true you were right to say that but the usos are kind of an act that could do that. If I'm WWE, I'm opening up my checkbook and keeping the use of Of course, but if you're AEW, what you really want to distinguish yourself from WWE is a tag division yep. that really matters. I said this a couple of weeks ago. Like that if I'm the Young Bucks are their biggest act. Mm -hmm. Nowhere else does tag team wrestling. Like it's a no-brainer for them to be the tag team wrestling company. And that does involve more than two tag teams and skew hard. I mean, they, they do have two great tag teams right now in the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. How long can you run? Exactly. Right? Like and if you were to throw the Usos into that mix, there's no feud that I'm not interested in. Yeah, all of those pairings are yeah, killer. Usos versus SCU even. Well, you might have found the one. <laughs> I'd still be into that. Because they're SoCal guys too, right? Actually, they're NorCal guys. Oh, okay. Which is a perfect That's actually kind of good. Yeah. And aside here, J-Mo, did you know Rikishi's wrestling in Langley in like two weeks? No. <laughs> yeah. It might be tomorrow, actually. Or is it tomorrow? Tommy Dreamer's on that show. I didn't know Rikishi was too. Yeah. my my. Uh, well, actually, I know he's going to listen to this. Let's shout out my pal Old Tiles, who went out to the ECCW Open Tryouts. 
and I don't think he minds me saying it, is now part of the locker room. Hell yeah. So uh, he, he look out for, for, I don't know what his gimmick's going to be, but I, I think we should have him on the show and, and talk about this Probably. experience. But uh, And I can tell him to his face that his name sounds like you're doing a <laughs> renovation of your bathroom. <laughs> Got to get rid of these old tiles. Got to get rid of the old tiles. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything to say about Ronda and Ruby, bad man? Uh, disappointing. Disappointing, right? Disappointing because... Ruby deserves better. I mean, yeah. What have I said all along? That she's going to come in and work for a year and everyone that works with her will be better off for having done yeah. that. Yeah. Ruby is kind of maybe the exception that proves yeah. that rule. I understand why they did it, too. Why? I, I, just, I, to, I just to make Ronda look strong and, and heat her up Going again up to, to be... Uh, yeah, a destroyer going into Mania. If I'm to defend it, and I've said this about other factions before too, I don't mind if you make like faction members look weak as long as the faction's always strong. Mm-hmm. So like, if Ruby can't win without the Riot Squad, that's kind of okay for a faction. It's just, what was this? Hang on, Wikipedia. That's, that's not the story that they no, told. No, that's the thing. This was a minute 40 and Ronda just bulldozed her. Yeah. Like, it, it, which, that doesn't do Ruby any favors. And you and I do both look a little silly for saying that everybody who touches Ronda comes out the other side. And Ruby should be somebody who gets that oh, rub because she's yeah. been phenomenal. If One of the like the only consistently good things about Raw over the last year. I agree. And again, improving, which I always like to see. Uh, J-Mo Baron Corbin defeated Braun Strowman. You skipped a match here. What did I skip? Finn Balor defeated Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush in a handicap match for the Intercontinental Championship in 9 minutes and 30 seconds. J-Mo, if I can be honest with you, I barely remember anything about this match. It's fun. It was fun. What I, like, happened? I heard a lot of people just hating on this show that everything was bad until the main event. Yeah. I feel like maybe that's letting the Ruby-Ronda match taint your image of the yeah, show too much, that, maybe. Because, and the like, Baron-Braun thing. Yeah. because the Oh, yeah. The Baron-Braun thing was absolutely terrible. And, you know, like... Like we said, we didn't have a ton of nice things to say about the women's chamber match either. So I understand it feeling disappointed. But again, I thought the Usos and Ninja's chain were fun. And Finn Balor, like, having a nice showing and mm-hmm. being a champion and a, getting a title with a belt that looks really good on him. Also. Yeah, when he was doing the red, white, and black. So he had, like, the red trunks, black jacket, white belt. Mm-hmm. Red, black, and white. We hate Nazis on the show, to be 100% clear. But it is a good color combination, very often. You think of the white stripes or just Coca-Cola. Like There's yeah. a lot of like very potent imagery tied to it. And him having black, red, white with the IC belt, I thought was like a really good look for him. And like I wanted him to win it at Mania last year, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot, I, I mean, I think a lot of people even wanted it at fucking... What was the four-way ladder match for the IC? Him, oh, Joe... Oh, that was the backlash? Is, yeah. Or... It might have been that, one of the Saudi that, Arabia yeah, it shows. Was. Yeah, it was the greatest Royal Rumble. But I remember people thinking that that should have been Finn's moment to ladder match. But, uh, yeah, I it hope... It was kind of a nothing match, but, like, a good thing came out of it. Even if he had a bad promo the night after and you feel done with him because well, of that. I, I, I also, and again, I, I think I'm sort of alone in this opinion, so whatever. But I, I don't know that Lashley should have lost it. Like, I kind of felt like Lashley and Leo was decent. And I thought Lashley was... If you're asking me who I, I think has the better shot, I, go ahead. I think you're right. Yeah. And that, like, taking the belt off of him right now to give it to a guy who was just in the universal scene. That's what I mean. And was, like, hugely over in that role. It kind of makes everybody feel lost. That's the thing. It like, makes Lashley feel small. And it makes Finn feel small to have this belt when he was, like, looking like a legit universal contender a not really even a point. month ago. Yeah, that's it. I get that that transition has to happen when people enter the main mm-hmm. event scene and exit. But there are... I can't think of any good uh, ones off the top of my head, but there are people who manage to sort of do it in a good way. Seth. They, that's like, Seth is probably the example, actually. And I, I just didn't, I don't know. I, I, I feel too much like I'm like dumping on Finn Balor all the time. But I, I, this week, I just felt like the weekend's events did not help the IC title, I guess is how I would say it. That's probably fair. But, you know. Let's talk about, as well, before we get into the Baron Corbin thing, the segment that came after Ronda oh, yeah. versus Ruby. Right. 
which is uh, Becky coming through the crowd with crutches. Yeah. Just beating the shit out of Charlotte. Awesome. And then beating the shit out of Ronda afterwards, too. Yeah. I loved all of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was very stone cold. I was just going to say how attitude era it was. Something happening on a pay-per-view that wasn't a match. And it also, until Becky then shifted her focus from beating down Charlotte to attacking Ronda as well, it was like, oh, yes, this is what we're actually going to be looking at after WrestleMania. Because it it felt like the segment was built around Charlotte and Sasha. Or, or, sorry, Charlotte and Becky. And... Ronda was just kind of like on the outside looking in, which is sort of how this match is starting to yeah, feel. Yeah, man. I was just going to say. In like, that you like you have this hugely over babyface in Becky. You have this just despicable heel in Charlotte that everyone wants to boo. And then you just have Ronda who's like sort of just there. Can I say I'm actually kind of turning the corner on wanting Charlotte into this match? Me too. Me too. Really? Especially you'd push back, yeah. I, I mean, last week I was sure that they wouldn't do it. And then like you've just seen over the past even 10 days like all of the reasons why it should happen. Who do you think is is pulling off their roles best? If you had to rank them 1 2 3 between Becky, Charlotte and Ronda, would it not go Becky, Charlotte, Ronda? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I, I but I just don't fucking get why they won't steer into Ronda being the bad guy, but you know, whatever. Because because she's not going to be here after Mania, yeah. right? Do you think she does like a backlash solo match against Becky? I think that's most likely at this I point. I think she I think they save that match for when she comes back. Armbar versus Disarmor is such like a that's I so know, tasty. I know. But I really do think somebody I think it was uh, uh Coca-Cola LLC our, our friend of the show Michael J. Foyce who was pointing out that the match is better with Charlotte in it. Yeah. Uh, but, and I could be but wrong. But the that build is better be too because she can promo. Well, I actually think she's probably better than she usually is lately. Because she's fully leaning into being everything that people have always accused her of. That's right. Like, I... Was it with you that I... No. Uh... I think it was – I went down to Raw with uh, with Cullen when it was in Everett. You were also there. Yeah, though. I was in the house. And But when we were outside waiting to go in, we were kind of just making small talk with the people around us in line. Yeah. And it was like a family who would brought their kids out. And they're Aww. talking about how much they hate Charlotte. Even really? Even though she was a baby face at the time. This was like <laughs> right after the, like, really? the team PCB call-ups. Like, oh. and, and yes, they were accusing her of being you know, a product of nepotism and sure. not having to work as hard to get what was given to her and all of these things. Like That has always been how people have perceived her, even when she's been a baby face. So just fucking steer into it entirely. Why not? Have you ever been in an employment position where nepotism is active? and like whole- Big time. So have I, and I think a lot of people have. And I think that it's something that I hadn't considered tapping into but Charlotte I think succeeding in the role and I think you actually backed me up when I said this and there was some pushback but I think you agreed of Becky Charlotte Ronda I think Charlotte's the best worker I don't know about that. Who do you think? Actually, best? yeah, you're probably right, man. Who do you think is yeah, Becky? Charlotte maybe? is so good. She, or maybe if I'm to concede something, maybe the most versatile, the most well-rounded. Is that safer to say? No, I think she's the best ring worker of the bunch. Like, there's, there's really not a case to be made really for. Becky being like a blow-away in-ring talent. And to all be clear, her, or needing to be. All of her pros come from her like persona. Which is awesome. And it's always been that way, yes. even before she was monstrously over like yeah, this. Yeah, true. Um, like I've always, she's not bad in the ring. She's no. certainly good. She's good with good opponents. Ab- absolutely. And she's even good with not so good opponents. Like she was able to milk a pretty good feud out of Alexa. That's at a true. Time when Alexa was like way greener than Super she is green. now. That's true. Um, so like she is a good worker, but she's she's never been like the Elite. blow away. And yeah, yeah, Charlotte is that for sure. That's how I feel. So I'm, I'm warming up to it weirdly. 
Like Charlotte versus Asuka was incredible. It's and weird. it was better than Becky versus Asuka. I think so, too. Uh, I think all of their common opponents, actually, I think Charlotte has the better match out of them. Unless they're in multi-woman matches together. But yeah, uh, their common opponents, I think Charlotte has the better one. I no, think that, we that's both bang on correct. Uh, J-Mo, let's talk a little bit about Baron Coleman versus Braun Strowman. <laughs> Just what even the fuck was this? Why do you want to walk us through it? Why did we do this? Why did we do this? Why did we do this? And then, and then you go and do the opposite of it on <laughs> Raw the next night, Just... which is like, okay, so this was... T- I thought this was to build towards something at Fastlane, but apparently not because Braun already got his win back and none of this matters at all. <laughs> like, yeah, it was it was so forgettable that commentary forgot a match was happening. You caught this too. Yeah. Yeah, They uh, for those of you who may not have seen, uh, Baron goes for the pin and commentary is like late to the count because they feel like the match is over. Like it's a post-match beatdown. Like, it's kind of obvious that's what they think, to me at least. Yeah, Michael Cole even said, guys, we got so caught up in the blah, blah, blah. I even forgot that a match was happening. I don't know if he said that that exactly. But, but like, some sort of cover to that. He essentially admitted as much. It's not like we're reading into subtext here. Craig, we're re-upping our beers. Thanks again. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know some people are sort of defending this, saying that they need time to bring the chamber down. But I... It is so weird to think of where Braun Strowman was and where he is. It's so weird. But they're not bringing the chamber down during this match. No, there's like setup and whatnot. But that's to do, what's I think. happening when fucking you the know they, they ran packages. a couple video yeah. packages for Special Olympics and like they had the Lacey Evans thing. Can we talk about that? <laughs> yes. That's that's got what is going on with this? <laughs> this Lacey Evans. You'd have thing. to ask somebody else. She, Although you do have the best idea she for She comes Lacey down and then she turns around and leaves. Like she doesn't feel like the crowd deserves her. That's maybe something, but they didn't even tip their hand towards that. Nobody on commentary was saying like, oh, she thinks she's too good for this town or whatever. It literally felt like a nothing throwaway segment. And it is insane to hear these rumors. <laughs> that she's getting like some monster Sorry, push. I was for you to say. Rumor has it. Yeah. That, Rumor has that it. That after Mania, when Ronda is gone, Vince believes that his top three women are Becky, Charlotte, and Lacey Evans. I mean, that's... I, I, I don't really know what to say to that. That can't be a person's real opinion. Like, not anyone who's looked at anything. I don't think she's bad, honestly. Like, I do. Like, I don't think she's a bad worker. Dude, I the enjoyed... Women's Rumble, which is breaking up fucking eliminations in the Rumble. I enjoyed her matches in the... Uh, the May Young, Young, and I thought she had some decent matches in NXT. Like, I, of of all of like the babes that Vince has become yeah. infatuated with, that like you're gonna push this person to the moon because she she she's got the look, yeah, brother. That's right. Uh, like, I don't think she's a bad in ring talent. I do. I just think if you if that's what you want, and I know that we were just critical of Mandy both in the elimination chamber <laughs> and before we started recording we were ripping her match with Asuka from Tuesday as well it was well I mean would do you was, not agree no, that it was, was dog shit it was horrible <laughs> yeah, it was really but, bad work. but like Mandy is not bad either like Mandy Mandy has some upside to her and if you want to push somebody just based on looks that's Mandy Rose man that is yeah. not Lacey Evans what the fuck I hate to do this to you can I put you on the spot for a second sure Rank these wrestlers in terms of who you would push. Okay. Okay. There's only going to be three. Okay. Mandy Rose. Yeah. Lacey Evans. Yeah. Tamina. Who's I, I think you just nailed the order right there. Yeah. Mandy Rose. That's mine for what it's yeah, worth. Lacey Evans, Even Tamina. though I think Mandy Rose is. <laughs> I mean, it's tough to say, man. Like, but those elim- those 
stopping eliminations in the Rumble make me want to just jump off a bridge. Like, I, I don't know. That just reeks to me as somebody who hasn't does, did not love wrestling or what. Fair. It's like, how do you – do you know what the Royal Rumble is? True, yes. Uh, but Mandy with versus Asuka on, on Tuesday was – I mean, that finish – but there's also a possibility that she's been told to do that, right? I guess so. Like, they're going to tease an elimination spot, but they can't eliminate this person. It's like, there's so many things like that that are just supposed to be kind of like background fodder while there's another focus within the ring. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to, like, get too down on her about that. But it's just like, this this act is bizarre. I it, fully agree. <laughs> JMO, let's... Uh... She's been doing... She's been done no favors by being trotted out to do nothing and then turn around and leave. Totally agree. It's like what Randy Orton did at SummerSlam. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the perfect comparison. J-Mo, give me a letter grade for Elimination Chamber 2019. Weird show because like a real high mark. Yeah, like we talked about the main event earlier, just an incredible main. Just like one of one of Daniel Bryan's like WWE classics. It's an example of why I'm, I'm here. I am explaining to you that Daniel Bryan is good. But like, <laughs> it's just like the guy is. If anything, even though I've praised him on the show and been mm. second banana to you doing that for sure, mm. but like the guy is. I mean, so good. But I mean, like so much of what made Daniel Bryan good is like being invested in his real story. Yeah, and like that's true of Kofi right now too. That's interesting. Like, yeah, for sure. Because what never are, held What it. are we backing Kofi for? It's not like he is just like an undeniable talent who's been held down. It's like, no, this guy has been around for a long time. And he's been consistently good and always entertaining and like delivered in everything that they've ever asked of him. And they've never given him a moment. So yeah. we're forcing their hand right now. That's right. right. Yes, we are. And we appreciate... Like, the thing that fell flat with Kofi for me this week was like trying to make him do fucking pancake comedy right now. It's, it's like so... You're misreading why people like this guy yeah. at the moment. <laughs> It's, I mean, anyway, we have a question about the New Day, so we'll, we'll sure. expand on that a bit there. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's just like, it's interesting no, you're to right, watch though. like uh, the, the Daniel Bryan parallel right now yes. in Kofi opposite Daniel Bryan. I think Daniel Bryan but, can create those moments. But you asked me to give it a letter grade. Give it it's, a letter it grade. Is, it's hard because there was a lot of not great on this card and then there was an incredible main event. So I'm probably going to say like a C plus maybe. I'm actually going to go a little higher than you. Uh, not not because there isn't dog shit on this show, but it's very rare that I get to enjoy wrestling as much as I did in that main event, and that's almost worth... Again, we watch so much for something to just stand out as, like, ultimately kick-ass. I, I give the card a B. Uh, I think there's a lot... You could point to a lot of WWE last year that didn't have something as engaging to me, at least, as that men's chamber, and for that alone, it carries it. To, I'd be more likely to go re-watch Elimination Chamber 2019 than something that just had, like, six out of ten matches all the way through, which we got a fucking ton of last year. So, Fair. I give it a B. Fair. Jim, do you want to jump on into something I call the, uh... <laughs> Listen to Mailback! I would love to do that. Well, then why don't we jump in? And I got to say, JMO, I, I don't want to, you know, kiss the ass too much of the listeners, mm. but boy, I feel like these past two weeks we've gotten some, some real monster questions. banger questions. So so let's jump right in with the, the 2018 Top Marks Most Powerful Listener in the Year. It's Quunky Forever. It's at Matt Rainus, and he asks. Now, we got to explain, too. Because last week we were ripping on him for having the name Quunky. Yeah, but classic Matt I, made it funny. Yeah, he explained that he had a dream where <laughs> math invented a new number, and the number was called Quunky. Which I gotta say, Matt, 
<laughs> Living up to your original nickname of Funny Matt, that, that did make me laugh a lot. All right, for what it's worth, Matt, <laughs> J-Mo, and I like, were texting about how fucking funny <laughs> that comeback was. So, indeed, Quunky forever, and Matt Ray just asks... I back Quunky now. Which wrestler... We stand a legend, and that legend is Quunky. <laughs> True legend, Quunky forever. We stand a legend. Quunky Kingston. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Chris Ken Quunky. This time. Uh, which wrestlers are the hashtag Quunky Fastlane? <laughs> I hate it. I'm back to hating it because of you. I need that. Oh, anyway, uh, Captain. Which wrestlers are best to bring home to mom, JMO? Which wrestlers are best to bring home to mom? And if I if I had to like convince my mom that wrestling is good. Oh, I took it as like a date thing, like okay. uh, to introduce to your parents is uh, somebody you're bringing home. Yeah, yeah. But but my mom hates. Pro wrestling. So what I right. really need is a wrestler who will like charm her yes. and have her thinking that wrestling is good now. Yeah. So who who are you taking there? It's, it's an interesting question because there's people who are are wholesome. It depends who your parents are. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my folks are definitely down with what Daniel Bryan's up to right now. For for example. Yeah. True. I think. I think my my mom might think that Daniel Bryan is, like, too much of a dirty hippie. I think. But that's not true, because my parents are actually living for, like, most of the year right now in Hornby Island, which is a very hippie island. Yeah, I was going to say, parents are dirty hippies. So, like, I'm sure if my mom, like, met Daniel Bryan at, like, a farmer's market, she would be <laughs> delighted by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, like, I would come to dinner one day, and they'd be like, oh, our friend Daniel is here. You'll love him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> can I give what I think is just sort of the right answer? Sure. I think Titus O'Neil is like Ooh, a person good, whose morality sort of would transcend anything. Like, who is meeting Titus O'Neil? It's like not for me. Can I give an unconventional choice? I'd love it. But is the the number one name jumping out at yeah, me here? Yeah. I'm gonna go with Tyler Breeze. Hey, that's kind of interesting. BC boy. Yeah, he's yeah. a local kid, yeah. and he's funny. Yes. And he's charming, and he's extremely handsome. Oh, no doubt about that. Like, mom would be very taken in by Tyler Breeze. My mom would like. be uh, giving Tyler a second look. <laughs> <There's>, that's <laughs> it. She listens to this show, and mom, don't don't text me and say you wouldn't. Don't Google, Google Tyler yeah, Breeze. Don't Google Tyler Breeze, maybe. Also, don't tell dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. How about on the female side, JMO? Who's who's good to bring bring home to, to mom on the female side? Uh, I mean, Lacey Evans is that classic. Uh, my my parents would not. <laughs> no, she's too conservative. Yeah, that's right. But she needs her fainting couch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love the fainting couch. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. This is a gimmick that you and I fantasy booked for Lacey before we started recording. You should explain it. She has it. a little bus boy who just wheels a fainting couch behind her at all times. So and any, like, anytime she sees something modern that overwhelms <laughs> her, like, uh, for example, like Ruby Riot being a side shave yeah, haircut has with tattoos. tattoos. She just like collapses onto her fainting couch. Yes. And you you were going off that like it could be an Eva Marie thing where she never wrestles because she's always fainting. I just think your idea of her having the fainting couch is just unbelievably good and would turn me on Lucy Evans like in the pro side very quickly. Yeah, and you could take a cruiserweight from two oh five live and make it her bus boy. Uh, I think my parents, or at least my mother, would support me bringing home Ruby Riot on the, okay. the female side because okay. she's a little edgy, a little, a little off the beaten path. I think, I think that's what my folks would would want. Okay, I feel like uh, we lent a lot of time to this. <laughs> like, I feel like bro. Natalia. I feel like my, I feel like Natalia would would get oh, over that's with a, my folks. That's a great call too. Yeah. Jim, our next question this week comes to us from uh, at Lorenzo Meow. It's our guy. It's Doug, Doug Crap. Crap, and he asks, "I'll ask a question then." Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for the question. That was it. No, he says, he goes, how fucked up is it that Samoa Joe hasn't held a main roster title at all? Pretty fucked up, right? Yeah. 
It's interesting because obviously, as like a grand statement, mm-hmm. absolutely. But when would have you? Would you have taken it off of AJ? No, probably not. It's hard because if you want to go to Brian and then heal, it's. I think Samoa Joe's moment is coming. I do think the company sees something in Joe. I really do because he hasn't been. I agree. He hasn't been in places of not importance. But to Doug's question, is fucked up that he hasn't held but any. At the same time, like the IC belt or like the US title, they feel below him. That's right. Like Bray Wyatt so felt I, like that for yeah, ages. So I wouldn't put those belts on him. That's right. I could see him going the Bray Wyatt route of like winning a tag title first, Interesting. putting him with like another heel. And then having a bunch of Haas battles against Sanity or whatever, yeah. you know? Like, Who says no? Yeah. JMR, next question comes to us from the newly nicknamed, and I must say quite a good nickname, t- taking from you, because now he's the Portmanteau Playboy. It's Wes Watanko. It's at Wes Watanko. And he asks, and I, I put out a tweet this week about this, so I think this is maybe more directed towards you, wondering for you. He goes, please honestly rank your top five Dudley boys. And if Devon isn't in the top five, we are hashtag good friends off. In the name of time, JMO, can we do a top three here instead of a top five? Sure. Who is your top three Dudley boys, or do you want me to go first? Because I already. I mean, you can go first because I already know what your rankings are and you yeah. can reveal them. I go Spike, Bubba, Sangai. Okay. I go Bubba, number one. Yeah. Uh, just for longevity, even, and how versatile he's proven to be over the years. Bubba still remains underrated in a lot of ways. The top TNA run, and even, I know people know the Dudley Boys matches are good in mm-hmm. ECW, but, like, Bubba is a, he's a badass. Like, yeah. he is a, a absolute marauder. And incredible on the mic, too, even if he's saying things in ECW that would <laughs> never <laughs> fly yeah. today. Very bad thing. Be so <laughs> not okay. I don't know if people know this, <laughs> to be honest, but... Uh, um, I, co- I go Spike after number Baba. Two, yeah. And then I got to go Devon. How do you not go Devon? Well, oh, do you want – I should explain this sure. because we did get some pushback. So why I don't you go – You just D- don't like Devon? No, I, I think Bubba is worse without Devon sometimes. Like when you – if you're giving me a tag team Dudley Boys, it's got to be Bubba and Devon, right? Mm-hmm. But any time he divorces from Bubba, it's the least interesting thing on earth. True. Reverend is bad. The solo run in TNA is bad. Yeah, Devon on his own is not good. Whereas Bully Ray – and I know the argument isn't Bubba. Everybody likes Bubba. But Spike's cruiserweight run – is tremendous. Spike and Molly. Spike's singles runs are very memorable to me. And for me, Spike's the lock number one. When I I think of, and again, this is a ranking of the Dudley boys, right? In in order as singles. It's not what Mm. pairings of them are best. Because I think with the pairings, it's Bubba and Devon at one. Yeah. But ranking the Dudley boys, what, what is the Devon moment? I can't name one. Yeah, it's it's the was up basically. Yeah, was but even the testify like that was lame as yeah, hell, I mean, man. Bubba, Bubba did it with our truth in the Rumble a couple years ago. <laughs> did we really miss Devon in that spot? In some ways, I preferred really. it. But also that speaks to like the racism of WWE, where it's like, ah, eh, just any old black guy will do. You know, I, they took some heat for that. I don't think that's entirely fair to be honest, because he he's not going to put both of them in the Rumble. Well, but it's not just that. It's it's that it's was up versus what's up. That's true. Like, I, I don't know that it's just as flat as like two black guys. I That's think it's true. there's there's a tie there. Fine, fair. Jim, I like this next question. It comes to us from the king of the king shit of fuck mountain scoots. Bro. It's a good nickname, scoots. I approve. <laughs> this beer's going right to the fucking head. King <laughs> shit of fuck mountain. It's good to say aloud. It is. Uh, and I like the question too. If you were allowed to make one change to each of the two main roster brands and it wasn't something that would be immediately reverted back, what would it be? And he cites some examples. A title change in addition to the roster, dropping someone from the roster and so on. Is there something on one of the shows you would do? Uh, here's an alteration I would make to both shows and that's end the brand split. 
Oh, no. It already feels so irrelevant right now at a time when we have Becky on both shows, yep. which I agree should be happening. Yeah, but, but you're right. Does weaken the brand split. You've got uh, Sasha and Bailey on every show, including NXT, apparently. Which is awesome, for the record. I love taking the belts and defending them in each fed. And then you've got 10 NXT call-ups that are floating between both shows. And at least this week, we're the prominent focus of both shows. Like, the brand split has never felt more irrelevant. And all of yeah. the pushback that I get when I say end the brand split is, oh, all these guys would get lost in the shuffle. The rosters are too big. No, no. You're no. saying not everyone's on every show. Yes, because that's how it worked before they even made the brand split official anyways, was like certain feuds existed predominantly on one show over the other, and you could have things mm -hmm. on the other show that referenced it, but like we're running out of feuds for guys to have on the shows that they're on. So like, let them drift back and forth willy nilly. And just like, you know that if you're invested in one feud or one belt, it's predominantly going to be on one show over the other. You don't have to have a full brand split because it doesn't even feel like they're invested in having a brand split right now. Yeah. I, I am a bit of a defender of the brand split, but as you make these points, it's tough to push back on a lot of them. Espe so. Especially when we're not doing brand specific pay-per-views anymore, even like, what's the fucking point? The, the point to me, and I know this probably isn't a reason to make the argument, but it is truly to just preserve what SmackDown is right now. SmackDown is week in, week out, great television that you're I look right. forward to. But I, I do understand what you're saying. Like the, the walls are coming down in a lot of ways, and I don't know how much it actually benefits them. Mm -hmm. Just for now, it's like I like the universe of SmackDown maybe even more than I did at the beginning of the brand split. Like I think it's in a real hot time, and as soon it's as like Drew McIntyre showing up yeah, to do some nonsense, true. I'm a little more it's, removed. It's honestly like the best wrestling show on TV right oh, by now. Far. By far. It kicks the shit out of NXT right now. And, NXT was great this week for the record. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I w you're right in that I shouldn't want to touch it at all. It's just like it doesn't feel like they're taking it seriously, so why should I? And also totally you remove fair. the problem of having a satellite champion on Raw – if your champion from SmackDown can be on that show. I'm not even That's saying yeah. you're making a great case. I'm not even saying you have to like like link up all the belts again. You can have separate champions, I guess. But mm. I mean the tags would probably have to join up. That deflates titles, I feel like if you the have the like, tag two and women's. the tag and the women would have yeah. to join up. But I could see them still having the world and the universal and all the others stand the same. Let's just why not just set the universal on fire at yeah, this point? Yeah, it sucks. If, d can you think of a belt with like a word? I feel like the hardcore title in '97 has a better fucking legacy than Universal. <laughs> You're not wrong, Jamie. This next question comes to us in all caps, so I'm gonna move the mic would a little you, bit. If you were to win one belt right now, hardcore, would you rather it be uh, <laughs> the Universal title or the old light heavyweight <laughs> title? <laughs> No further questions. <laughs> Jim, I'm going to move the mic away from my mouth here because this question is in all caps, so I sure. suppose I have to say it somewhat loudly. Sure. And it comes to us from Alex, at Alex Hanley. Thanks for the question. Thanks, he asks, Why did WWE fire Arn Anderson? I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, well, I, they I just hired a ton of agents. That's the thing. They got a zillion backstage agents. I think this is great for Arn Anderson. And maybe not even great for Arn Anderson, but fucking incredible for AEW. He seems like a more obvious pickup for AEW than any wrestler you could pop. If they let go of Brock Lesnar tomorrow, I would say go after Arn Anderson. This is a guy who has a touch in every part of the business. He's seen as match guy. He's every super linked to Cody's dad also. That's the th he he is he's every high-end guy's match agent. He knows the business in and out. He's a tremendous booker, a great agent. 
Arn Anderson is a no-brainer for AEW. If I'm if I'm Cody Rhodes looking at who yeah. can help me build a federation. I mean, they already hired Billy Gunn to be an agent for them. If you're going to have Billy, Billy Gunn, is Arn Anderson better as an agent than Billy Gunn? I'd I have say to, <laughs> probably yes. I think no-brainer he yeah. is. Right? And I mean, how much do you and I know about what the actual agenting is backstage? But if I had to guess, it's Arn Anderson all day. Yeah. Didn't so, Billy Gunn get arrested before All In, too? <laughs> yeah, he, he did. was like sleeping in his car, and then they like were gonna book him for that, and then they found that he had like an outstanding warrant from Florida or something. Who? And then he had they to miss the show. Yeah, they had Joey Mercury do the and um, and Bubba. I and think Bubba, Bubba did some, yes, did, did the some agent thing. booking stuff too. Hey, Mike, Mike Noble, a friend of the show, just entered the room. Roommate of the show. Uh, Mike, do you know why they fired Arn Anderson? Did they fire him? Yeah, Arn Anderson's gone. Just like he wants to be like a family man now. Mike says he wants to be a family man. No, because right? Arn kept pushing for a resolution to the. Who killed Tully storyline? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carl and Arn Anderson, father and son. Jamar, next question this week comes to us from Ryan B. There is one guy, bald guy in a tag team who could probably be Arn's son. Scott Dawson. But it's not Carl <laughs> yeah, Anderson. Scott Dawson, yeah, right? There you go. You see how quickly I picked up all that? the hashtag good friends magic. <laughs> Jamar, next question this week comes to us from Ryan B at 604. Oh, I guess to answer the last question, I have no idea why they fired Arn Anderson. I, yeah, I don't just know. too many guys. Yeah, Gotta make if... room for Abyss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sanjay Dutt needed a space, so <laughs> bye, Arn. Can, can we yeah. listen? Who's, who's, who's earned more dimes in this business? <laughs> Arn Anderson or Sanjay Dutt? Give me Sanjay yeah, all day. give me Sanjay all day. It's a clear answer. All, all day Sanjay is what I say. Jay Moore, next question this week comes to us from Ryan B. At 604 Craft Beer, which so far this gentleman, Ryan, and I would get along quite well. And he asks, why is Shane McMahon still a thing? Because he's fun. Yeah, I, I, I can't say that I agree with the sentiment of the question. I, I, I If you would have asked me before this Miz pairing, I would have been like, okay, we, we need some space for guys. We don't need Miz on the Mania cards. I think him and Miz have a weird chemistry together, and I'm very into it. I think I've made this clear yeah. on the show. One Shane of my Mc- favorite things about uh, the entirety of Elimination Chamber was the backstage segment while they were lowering the yes. chamber. And my, uh, Miz is getting all hot, and he's just like, Mike, Mike, go home. Go home, Mike. It's great. Just calling him Mike. I, oh, Shane got all serious for a second there. In Ryan B's defense, and where I'll take his side is, I don't want overused Shane McMahon because he has three spots, and the more True. I see them, the more they're. That's why a tag team build towards something is the perfect way to do anything with Shane. Correct. I hope they blow off this Miz thing, and then Shane goes away for a bit. That's. But for now, why is Shane McMahon still a thing? Because I think he's doing good and is in a good act. You know what I would like to see after. Uh, okay, I know we just fantasy booked a way that Shane turns heel and not Miz. Yeah. But if they do what we expect and make Miz the heel... Are you drunk at all? No, not really. I like I am. <laughs> Wouldn't, would you be down for a post-Mania... Uh, I'm assuming he loses the title at Mania. Yeah. Heel Daniel Bryan versus face Shane. No. Because the alignments are askew. And just because... I. It reminds me a bit of Ronda Rousey, where it's like, give me the. I want them wrestling good people. In some That's ways. fair. It just feel, felt like there were was like a ton of tension between the yeah. two of them during the Owen Zane feud thing last year. I'm not saying there isn't a story to be told for sure, because mm-hmm. uh, because there is. You're right, uh, especially as like the co GMs and that never got fully explored. But uh, less Shane McMahon is more for me. Fair. That's that's just how I feel. All right. 
Jim, our next question this week comes to us from Boca Only Was In Len. Is that not an old Real Good Show bit? Uh, that's something from my own personal Twitter. Okay, wow. Because I put out a reminder that he was in Len, and he responded to it by saying, I was never in Len. Wow, but he Boca was. Boca Only does the name search of himself, apparently, and responded to me on Twitter. But as you, me, and Mocha Only Was In Len at Book of Flube all know he was in Len. Uh, I, true. I have to say he's once again my nemesis. Our, our uh, rivalry reignited this week. Over Len? I mean, over. I mean, you know, Flubes takes. He's out here yeah. saying all, all manner. He thinks Baron Corbin's the best worker in the company. All these kind of, you know, I, I got to push back. The world needs a hero, you know. But he asks a good question this week as he says, I like Paige, but her story is way too goddamn boring to make an entire movie out of. Who would you think has the best life story to turn into a feature film instead? Great question. Well, they already did a documentary about Paige, which is the only reason that this movie even exists. Yeah, that's you right. know the story, right? Yeah. I he heard. was filming Fast Six that's right. in London. And while he was like, he couldn't sleep one night in his hotel room and, and he watched just put the, the TV on and it happened to be playing. And he yeah. loved the doc so much that he immediately like bought the rights to it to turn it into a film. Have you seen the documentary before? No. I have. Her family's bonkers. Yeah, of course. Like, Her parents are insane. <laughs> oh, do you know this? Okay, yeah. I just. Like, I know. Like, I'm is that sure, like a known thing? I'm sure that there's things that, that like will never be touched on in this movie. Yeah. Like her mom once like claimed to be. She went missing. For days on end. And when she reappeared, mm-hmm. she claimed to have been kidnapped by a promoter. Correct. In the UK. And then, like, two months later, went and worked for his company again. Because <laughs> it's obviously just bullshit. Wrestlers are so jacked yeah. up. But, Jamie, who's somebody you would like to see a biopic made out of? Somebody in the wrestling world. Somebody who's had an interesting life. Can we remove Vince McMahon from this situation? Because I think he probably is most wrestling fans. Like, if, the, if you... And we're, we're going working under an honest biopic here, right? Yeah. I think Vince probably is... Well, I mean, we're not getting that for Hulk Hogan. This Hulk no. Hogan, Chris Hemsworth movie that got announced this week. Apparently, is, it's just about, like, the rise of Hulkamania. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, uh, it's going to be an 80s culture thing. Yeah, it's... It'll be Bohemian Rhapsody for Hogan, where you don't touch on any of the actual yeah, which means stuff. which means Chris Hemsworth is going to be wearing like ridiculous buck teeth, fake teeth. <laughs> I'm like, do I make you horny, baby? <laughs> well, hang on a second. That's <laughs> I'm not sure you've got your franchises correct. Yeah, no, that's Hulk Hogan's classic catchphrase. <laughs> do I make do you, I make you Randy? Oh no, I think you're. I think it was actually you got one where Rogue goes, "Do I make you horny, brother?" Yeah, <laughs> that's that's. The move. Do I make you horny, brother? Jema, who who do you want to see a biopic made of? I have an answer. I don't know if you're going to find it very satisfying, but Go, I'll hear your answer. Uh, Paul first. Heyman's my answer. Well, that's a good one. ECW is an interesting story, and that's sort of where he goes from there. He's also a really. He's a slimy dude. I love Heyman, but he's, Giamatti can play him and just have a field day. Yeah. Did we have this discussion in our private wrestling chat before? Yeah. yeah Giamatti as Heyman is just like the absolute money. So I'll go. I'll go Paul Heyman, but I'm sure there are better answers. But I, I'd love to see it. I'm trying to think of like who has had a bizarre life. May I throw out a few? Yeah. Uh, what What about uh, Ultimate Warrior? No, thank you. I don't. Want, I don't want that one. But you love him so much. I hate him. <laughs> Mike, like, what's your? That's true. Lived in a See, I think that's Mike says Dean Ambrose, the man who lived in a shed that was flooded. I think that's a worse answer than Paige, though. Yeah, it's like what's intriguing about that other than like he was a dumbass who made stupid decisions. (laughs) He was a dumbass who made stupid decisions. Uh, Roman Reigns has like (laughs) we remember the Stone Cold podcast with him. Yes, and at the time being like, why is Austin being so weird to him? And now I look back and it's like, oh no, Austin played that one (laughs) hundred percent correctly. Just like hearing the guy's life story and being like, okay, you dropped out of school (laughs) and your parents let you do that, (laughs) and you were just. 
you you don't regret anything that you've ever done. Jamie, may I throw one your way and get your reaction? Sure. Brock Lesnar. Um, NCAA yeah, champion, man. goes to the NFL briefly, UFC, WWE, so many touchstones, right? The problem is he's not the most interesting guy to follow, but I think a good actor could bring that out. And the story, like, around him would be intriguing. Absolutely true. Do you yeah. see that tweet going around this week of what his parents look like? Yes. Insane. These two people combined to make a Brock Lesnar? It's bizarre. Jay Morris. You know, you know, you know who I would make a movie out of? Go, tell me. Eddie Guerrero. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get you get Mexico, you get the Indies, you get WCW, ECW, WWE, so many touchstones, and then the death, obviously. Exactly. Jim, our sponsor, Fruits Are Edible from Brew, Fruits Are Brewable Brewing, uh, at Fruits Are Edible, the world's greatest home brewer, he asks, and he gave me shit for not reading this on the show last week. Okay, okay. All right, so here you go, Craig. Shut the fuck up. Here we go. It is a good question, though. Yeah, shut your mouth, how about, fucking dick. Yeah, let me say something about you, Craig. How about... How about Anyway, here's the look. Question. Look, are we drunk? Having drunk your beer, and now we're shit talking you? Yes, Maybe. definitely. Yeah, that is the truth. <laughs> 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 Truly, though, thank you very much. Because uh, on an empty stomach, these are going down real easy. Cheers, cheers to you, my hashtag good friend. Uh, great question, though. You wake up tomorrow in a world where one wrestler never existed, but you still remember everything about them. By the grace of God, you have the ability to po- pull off their move set and promos. Which wrestler would you want to be so you could change professional wrestling forever? So it's it's basically this... Uh, you inhabit them. This, like, Beatles movie. Um, I don't know this reference. Uh, there's this movie coming out. I think it's called Yesterday. Okay. I think. Maybe. Something like that. I don't know. It's about, like, this guy who, like, just wakes up one day and, like, the Beatles have been erased from history. But he knows all their songs, so he becomes super famous playing oh. Beatles music. Yeah, okay, so I think very much like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So who's the wrestler like that that yeah. we could erase and become? Yeah, I I think people probably already know what I'm going to say, so I think The you're... Rock. Oh, it's wow. The Rock, Wow, man. that's a good call. He's got an easy move set, so yeah. it's not like I would need to be able to do, like, flips and shit. Well, you, you inherit their move set instantly by the yeah. parameters of this question. But I can already do The Rock's move set. <laughs> you can do the people's elbow, yes. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I can for sure do The Rock Bottom. And for sure do a DDT. I think you have to hit Mike with the rock bottom on video is how I feel. Right now? After we're done recording. After we're done. Mike, will you go through a table for the rock bottom? Uh, Mike, I'll do it to you on the couch. I would prefer it through a table. <laughs> that's that's just one man's opinion. Jamal, I'm not going I'm not going with the rock. I'm going with CM Punk. That's a good one. The the promo ability and the sort of an, not anti charisma, but I don't know. I just feel like you can get a lot done with the CM Punk combination of promo and in-ring storytelling. I feel like that translates to whatever federation you're in if you're looking to change the pro wrestling industry. Like he did, motherfuckers. CM Punk changed everything. You, you like Daniel Bryan? You better right. love CM Punk. All That's right. what I got right. to say. Okay, but I, okay, I'm changing my answer. Wow. But now my answer exists in the same universe as you, so we're both in the Fed at the same time. Oh, my goodness. Ryback has never existed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Ryback now. <laughs> you and I are Ryback and Punk? Yes. Fight forever. I mean, that's... I don't know. We're going to get any better than that. We should yeah. just move on to the next question. Absolutely. The next question comes from the Knee Salesman. It's our, it's our final question this week. Uh, from the Knee Salesman, uh, Dash EG. And he asks, will the New Day be over forever? Yeah. Yeah, man. I... I don't mean to oversimplify a question, but they have staying power in a way. Some guys just have it. Jeff Hardy has it. There's people who can – Sami Zayn, I think, also actually has it. Where You can be removed from things of importance, and people still are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The best thing that ever happened to them was when they like disappeared for two yep. and a half months after they got shipped to SmackDown. Totally true. 
because like that was at a time when they felt overexposed, when they'd been done dirty by the booking on Raw as well, fucking jobbing out to League of Nations. Yeah. And they just shift over to another show, and it's like we just forget about them for a while because yeah. it's a shorter show, and you don't need to see everybody all the time. I think Kofi was injured at the time. Well, yeah, if you someone remember- was injured, and someone had a baby. I think it was Kofi's wife had a child, and he was injured. Somebody else might have been injured then. I was going to say, how do you have sex if you're injured? I mean, he would have had sex nine months earlier. I don't think that's true. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just hit me with a no further questions? <laughs> Um, yeah, listen, man, you, you, you really couldn't say enough good things about the New Day. You really couldn't. They're the tag team of the generation. They've they, evolved so much. They they are rely, they are going to be over forever, as much as that means anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying they're always going to get the greatest reactions known to mankind, but will people always reliably be happy to see the New Day? Will there be a ton of nostalgia for the New Day? Will history remember the New Day as extremely important and great? Undoubtedly. Every day is a New Day. Wow. <laughs> so it's never going to get old. That is... That It'll is, never be an old day. I've got to be honest. Wow. <laughs> that's an incredible thing to say. Jamal, that's it for the questions this week. Long show this week. How long? Uh, we're at an hour 53 oh right now. Oh, my God. No one wants to hear that. But you know what? There was so much to cover. There was we so did much it to cover. in depth. There was so much to cover. Yeah. So I feel like we we did the people a service by really breaking down everything that happened this week. The true Except service. there was one thing that we didn't talk about. Oh. It's Velveteen Dream winning the North American title on NXT. Mm, I'm nervous. For him to be a champion and not be treated well? I think the North American Championship is probably the only belt with worse lineage right now than the Universal title. Is that a hot take? I agree, but I also would say if there's one guy who can settle it down and give it meaning, it is Velveteen Dream. I hope you're right. And I also hope he comes out having changed the leather on it from red to purple. That would be... Did you see the shot of him with Triple H with it? No, I haven't seen that. Shirtless, leather jacket, tights, giant glasses on. It's like this guy. He's so cool. It feels like a bit of a stopgap to him to me. And again, uh, did you watch NXT this week? Yeah. Really good episode of NXT, I thought. Very strong. But I don't know. He feels like NXT. He should be, if I'm NXT, Booker, Mm -hmm. Triple H, Mm -hmm. he's NXT champion and has a decent reign and builds that belt. But maybe maybe you're right. Maybe he can make the North American title. Here's what I do if I'm NXT. Hit me. If yeah, I how do we not bring this up in yeah. NXT? Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, after Champa and Gargano are written out of the main event picture, and the you know the title is that, uh, yeah. away from those guys. Uh, my entire uh, NXT World Title picture revolves around Undisputed Era and a <laughs> dissolution between Roddy Strong and Adam Cole. No, no. Yes. Break them up, have them feud over the belt. No. And then and Dude, then Strong and then just keep Velveteen away from that okay. and have him be. The guy in in the undercard, you know, second from the top, always having the North American title, having these just flashy matches with Keith Lee and Matt Riddle and all these guys. I I disagree, but only because of this. Roderick Strong has never been my guy, besides being a heel in Undisputed Era, where I think he's like one of the better performers of the four, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I I love that unit together. And I think Culver Strong is not as hot of a feud as Undisputed Era coming up together. That's just my opinion. But Roddy... Is a good baby face. Like, mm-hmm. he's somebody who's, like, very just in- inherently likable. He's 2009 Daniel Bryan. The problem with his previous baby face run was that he had no character outside of being Roddy Strong. Yeah. And now being Roddy Strong is an inherently baby face thing. For <laughs> sure. you wrong. Yeah. But, like, if you were to have him be betrayed by Cole for being more successful than him, 
suddenly he becomes like a sympathetic baby face where he never did wrong by these dudes. He got kicked out for being better than the so-called leader. Yeah. And you give him like a compelling babyface motivation just based on his history with this group, right? There's a way to do it. You're you're right about that. If I have my druthers, the four come up together, but but there's something there for sure. And I do think Undisputed Era needs to become the focal point of NXT. Yeah, so we agree on that at the very least. That's it for Top Marks this week. Sure uh, two is. Hour, we've been talking for two hours, yeah, Matt. Just man. about. What would you give this show? Give it a letter grade. Oh, better than Elimination Chamber, certainly. <laughs> would you give this... Be honest. And, and would you give the show an A+. Plus? I'd give it a... We're B-plus players this week. Just because of length. If it was 90 minutes, it'd be A-plus. The show is best at 90 minutes, that's, that's true. for sure. But true. for all of you who are still here and listening, God bless you. Happy Friday. It's the weekend. I got a buzz going. Life is good. I love the wrestling. I love Madman Morrison. I love the listeners. I love the good friends. I love Top Marks. And until next week, stay hot. Stay spicy. And stay just great. Because you're Curry Man. What? 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 <laughs> Titus Worldwide! What are you eating for dinner tonight, guy? I don't know. I was thinking about cooking something good up in the Instant Pot, maybe. This morning, and this seems so weird to say, because we're looking out at a beautiful a beautiful evening right now. Sunny. Like, truly nice. Sun is shining on the water. It was a blizzard <laughs> this morning. And would you believe what I did, J-Mo? I, I went to, I don't want to reveal it from her, but I did something work-related. And then I went, I was snowing like a son of a gun. I went and bought you like were a, snowing. I was snowing like a son of a gun as it goes, you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I went to Bilo and I just bought like a shit ton of chili stuff. And now I don't want to go home and eat chili. It looks like fucking it's a nice night out. I'll eat chili with you. I love the chili, man. Me too. Me too. Me too. Uh, you saw a movie? Yeah, I saw Lita Battle Angel. Yeah, how was that? It's an insane movie, man. <laughs> It's, it's, it's insane. I, I, I don't know. Mike just said off mic. He heard it was great. It's hard for me to say it's great because like I can't think of a movie that moves faster than it. Okay. But I would say it's worse. There's so many movies for CGI. It's just like this makes it so unimpactful. You look at Justice League, a ton of the DC shit. Mm. This movie does like CGI combat really, really well. Uh, but like it is insane. Oh, I haven't seen any movies lately, but I did crush the entirety. Of the Umbrella Academy. Oh, our our, uh, our good friend uh, Jordan Descharmes just finished that show as well. Yeah, and allow me to say, better than any of the Netflix Marvel shows. Wow. It ends on a big time cliffhanger though, like it doesn't resolve any of its problems, and it's just like, well, see you next year. So now I have a long wait ahead of me for season two, but I I loved the show. You know me, Madman. Do I need to watch Umbrella Academy? Yes, I will tell you the first. Like, one and a half episodes are a little slow going, so you're going to be f- feeling like, why did he recommend this to me? This ain't this my speed. Success. But you'll you'll get hooked. Uh, and it, I hate and it's Justin worth it. now. It's worth it. It's a good show. I, I really it. enjoyed it a lot. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Uh, No, not really. Mike, you free tonight? You want to go see Alita Battle Angel? No, I, uh, it's, uh, Mike, here, do you want the mic? Do you want to say anything? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Goodbye, good friends. I love you. <laughs> I'm just... Yeah, so welcome to me and Justin hanging out. Mike's, oh, somebody yeah. listen to that episode yeah. this week. The Noble Corner. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Noble Corner. Noble Snook. Um, Noble Snook. Way to work! <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I have a... Uh, it's a surprise birthday party tonight. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. I'm going on a fake double date where yeah. my actual date will be there attending the birthday. Who is hot as... Oh, wait, will she listen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, both of them are very. <laughs> 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 I mean, whatever. Oh wait, two people that you've dated are going to be at the party. No, so it's um, 
Cassidy is my I'm name dropping on well, this yeah, pod, yeah, yeah. whatever. I know. Uh Cassidy is my fake double date because yes. we needed to like get Brodo but to the But then Emily thing. will also be there? Yeah, Emily's coming. That's gonna be I I've told Cassidy, I was just like, Hey, like, you know All right. Well good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's the double. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We're running out of time. Tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week.